Hello and welcome to episode 159 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And we're calling this one Kingdom Battle Come. Uh, and while the name's it, yeah, that does sound very awkward out loud. Well, you're an awkward person, so... No, but sense. even by Jason awkwardness, that's like... It's an awkward title. Well, they can't all be perfect. 159 later, I mean, that's still... I know, it's, it's true. But anyway, awkward title aside, we're calling it this awkward name because uh the that was the best you think we come up with yeah because the name the namesake of the show is Mario and rabbit's kingdom battle which we're gonna talk about later with full impressions and yeah the best i could come up with was kingdom battle come <laughs> and you were of no help coming up with your own puns and thus here we are so if your mind's in the gutter it's a great title if your mind's not in the gutter it's a great title it's just great all around uh but besides kingdom battle we also have other things to discuss because Nintendo has been rather busy as of late uh which means we have the last week's uh nintendo direct to discuss including thoughts on surprise third-party switch games and the latest on the first party lineup we have the uh super nintendo classic little update on that hands-on with octopath traveler impressions of the big new arms update and i can only assume what will be a very frank and honest discussion about mario's nipples uh all that in this episode you can find timestampshow.com to check it out um just look for this blog post and then click it and scroll down and remember it's called kingdom battle come that somewhat awkward title and uh yeah with that on to the direct so i mean what what do you think of the direct um i thought it had a lot of stuff in it no <laughs> oh, i mean deep analysis right there <laughs> i don't know it, um, it was it was one of their longest ones honestly I mean, 45 minutes they don't usually come i mean out un- unbiased thoughts um there was a ton of variety it was definitely really cool seeing like wow there's like a bunch of like different different types of games coming to the switch i was really surprised by um but the this announcements i was really surprised by the mm-hmm. I just do and Wolfenstein coming. That mm-hmm. was pretty cool. Yeah, that was my biggest surprise. Too. Um, even like I'm not getting Minecraft on the 3DS. Just knowing that it's coming out just sounded like a really cool announcement. Yeah. I was like, what? And it's available today? What? Yeah. I mean, a lot of cool add-on sequels and stuff. But I mean, other than that, I mean, as much as as many games that they were announcing, um, I guess there wasn't really anything that I was like, oh, okay, I'm looking forward to buying that. Besides doom everything else we already yeah, doom, knew doom for me like it's funny because because everything else i feel like we already knew and i almost thought we weren't going to hear anything about mario odyssey but well they said odyssey then, going into it was going to be on, on they're like we're going to talk about 3d uh 3ds switch and mario odyssey like by name oh but, I, I guess i missed that part yeah it's funny because what, what but, i figured but i was like I, but i feel like i mean i'm already sold on odyssey since the first trailer like, i just please don't tell me anything more i just yeah. didn't want another mario kart 8 situation I mean, luckily, or Pikmin Three. I know you hated how much that one came. Yeah, out yeah, but Mark Kart specifically, because they literally told us every track, every mm-hmm. character, everything. There was nothing left secret. I mean, at least this time they were like, "Oh, well, we won't spoil everything." And we're like, "Oh, great." Thanks. Yeah, the fact that they had to like say like a bragging right was a little strange to me. Like, yeah, well, like, we're not gonna show you every world. I mean, like, no, of course you're not, because why would you do that? <laughs> I mean, if it were me, they would have either just ended it or talked about something we haven't heard yet. Well, but. I think they talked about one cool thing, Mario Odyssey, in the um, snapshot mode, but we'll get to first party later in the show because i, it is, I feel like cool. this episode i yeah we'll get to it i was gonna say it, it, like, it already feels like a staple of mario game i mean on nintendo games but not to this extent it's like, anyway we'll get to it the <laughs> point i'm getting at is um i feel like for me at least the only reason we're burying the first party later on is because like i feel like third party kind of dominated this thing right like all the new stuff was third party or lesser first party but like if you look at like going into it i thought it would be mario odyssey xenoblade the rest of their lineup for this year maybe a surprise wii u port maybe we didn't get any wii u port and then we actually got a decent amount of 2018 stuff 
not like huge. It was mostly this year, but more than I expected, which was kind of nice. And it's on that new format they do, which is really cool. With the like, I really like the mix of like the in depth and the headlines where it bounces back and forth, kind of mm-hmm. keeps you on your toes more. Whenever I see the headlines, I just completely ignore what he's saying. I'm just reading the ones. Yeah, ahead. me too. And then it's yeah. like, oh, nothing interesting coming up. I guess I could mm-hmm. just kind of watch blankly. Yeah, yeah. Except usually they're just cryptic enough that you don't quite know what they're talking about, like the ones with the question mark instead of the. Oh, game. I mean, yeah, there's the, the a yeah. few of them, but I mean, for the most of them, they're pretty blatant. But yeah, but I like it overall. But yeah, the thing I was saying is like, I feel like, I feel like the third party content is really what kind of stole the show. Like, this may sound kind of crazy. You kind of already brought it up, but I feel like the real MVP of this direct was Bethesda of all companies. Like, here's a publisher who never really supported Nintendo platforms, and then they kind of were dipping their toe in the water with Skyrim on Switch, which Nintendo itself is publishing, so that toe dip kind of had a cash incentive for them, so it wasn't really a toe dip, or was it more like just they got paid to make a game for Switch? Who knows? But then, regardless, out of nowhere... In the direct, Nintendo just casually was like, oh, also Bethesda's bringing over Doom and Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus, which is, like, kind of huge. Like, Doom's coming this holiday, which is really soon. Wolfenstein 2's coming early 2018, or just 2018, I think is what they said. It's on PS4 and Xbox next month, so there's a little bit of lag, but it's not as crazy as some other games that, you know, are, like, seven years later they show up on Switch. Uh, but it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I think what's most impressive is it's not just Bethesda doing cheap ports. Like, they're actually putting an effort and yeah. making them equal to their watching, counterparts. Um, I was watching that video comparison. I don't I want to say it was Bethesda that put it up, but someone put it up where they showed footage from the Switch version and the Xbox One of and the PS4 Doom. of Doom. Yeah. Like back to back to back and before they put them side by side, I mean, I honestly couldn't even like really tell the difference until they then they're like, "All right, there's like slightly less detail now that I see yeah, it." Yeah, the textures but, are a little blurry. Yeah, but it wasn't it was very negligible. I mean, when things are in motion, you could care less or even notice yeah and i mean we don't know for sure what the frame rate will be like or what output you oh, know is yeah. it 720 is it 1080 so i'm fine with 720 i have no problem with that but like we don't really know obviously the footage or showing is not gonna be laggy but yeah. we don't know in the intense scenes if it will become laggy but based on just what we saw i completely agree that it's like negligible differences which is nuts that you have a major ps4 xbox one shooter yeah. like doom is not on a the go. last console yeah port or anything yeah and and, and not something with um yeah and kind of on the same note, like with FIFA 18, that the one yeah, that's coming it's 18. out. Yeah, um, I, IGN posted up a just an image of I think it was a like a manager, like from the Switch version, PS4 and Xbox One, just side by side. And the only real difference was just the the Switch one didn't have a blurry background. But pretty basically, I showed the image to Elvis without showing which console was which. You couldn't tell. And I asked him to guess which one was a like which one was which. And I guess he just pointed to the Switch one, and he's like, oh, this is definitely the PS4 Pro, and, and it was the Switch one. You know what's funny? is like if you look at screenshots of uh, NBA 2K, it at first glance is hard to tell as well. Now, if you see it in motion, there are some noticeable differences, like the clothing sways differently and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, there's always stuff But, like, but... in screenshots, yeah, I mean, they're not that different. I and mean, the stuff that matters doesn't really, like, yeah. Yeah. You could, you could easily overlook. It's definitely not something that you would ever dock a game for which would be ridiculous like unless you're docking it to play it on your tv because it's on switch am i uh, right that kind of docking yeah i'm so sorry that was bad that was i bad. liked it thank you <laughs> but um no but yeah and the thing about nba is uh they brought over all the features and the thing about fifa is minus the um like the single player i forgot what it's called legendary mode or whatever everything else is feature for feature on switch and doom's doing the same thing which is cool like, it's cool to see these developers actually going all the way opposed to some weird half steps like certain companies capcom tend to have done tend to be doing 
but yeah, like in the case of Doom, they're bringing over the full online multiplayer mode as well as single player. Now, the, now the trick is with Doom, due to the sheer uh, size of the game, they won't actually have multiplayer on the cartridge. So what you'll do is uh, you can download multiplayer for free if you have the physical copy, and if you have the digital copy, it just comes with the download. Makes sense. So you get the full single player, and multiplayer's there if you want it, and if you don't want it, don't download it. There you go. Which, honestly, not too bad given the circumstance. Like, I think in an ideal world, Nintendo, they only make 32 gig cartridges right now, but more and more games need 64 gig or higher. I mean, NBA 2K is that whole thing where they put the banner on the box, like, you need an SD card, because... It's missing all sorts of content, and you can still technically play it, but not really because there's stuff missing, and the save file is like 5 gigs to make up for that, and it's nuts. But anyway, that's the wrong approach. I think the right approach is just Nintendo makes 64 gig cartridges. Like, I get they don't want to pass on the cost to developers, and that's why they're not doing it. But, you know, Nintendo, if you're trying to get developers to support your system, and you have billions of dollars in your war chest, and your stock's at a 10-year high right now, and all this other stuff, and the Switch is selling like hotcakes... Maybe you eat the cost. Maybe you just charge them the price for a 32 gig cartridge or even a 16 gig cartridge and just yeah. accept it. Like Microsoft is money hats companies. I think you could afford to give them like a subsidized cartridge cost. Yeah, the cartridge is always that thing that whenever there is a developer that is trying to defend their higher price or anything, it's always the cartridge. The cartridge is always like the, I guess the center of all yeah. that higher price debate. Yeah, it's so. just like, I don't know, it just seems... Given their conservativeness, of course they're not going to do that. So Bethesda's approach is the best option at the moment, where the core game's there and the extra stuff is you just download extra. But yeah, ideally... Ideally, we wouldn't have those giant SD card-acquired banners across all the different things. But but regardless, I got a little sidetracked. My point is, Doom looks really cool. <laughs> Doom, I think, has a ton of potential. I think it's probably one of my most anticipated Switch games of the year now, out of nowhere. Which it which is cool, and it also really shows this like important newfound role for Bethesda in the Nintendo world. It, it weirdly to me almost feels like Bethesda is the new Capcom in like the Nintendo universe. I mean, th- think about it. this comparison. Bear with me, but you'll see. So okay. like Capcom and Nintendo, very close for two generations, right? Monster Hunter and everything. So what happened is Capcom brought Monster Hunter to Nintendo systems. Monster Hunter is a big game, open world game. It's about exploring and conquering monsters. Nintendo's like, you know what, we'll co-market it, we'll give you exclusive Nintendo content like like DLC, it'll be great. You guys will get us to help you. Now, fast forward two years to Bethesda, and now Nintendo's convinced Bethesda to bring a game that focuses on exploring a huge world and fighting monsters to the Switch, this time Skyrim, and Nintendo's assisting it with heavy co-marketing, this time in the form of publishing, which is a step further, and Nintendo-exclusive content you unlock through DLC, except instead of digital dlc it's amiibo but it's literally the exact same strategy that they did with capcom but now they're doing it with bethesda and when they did it with capcom that got us every single capcom franchise that you can think of the Mega Man's, the street fires the ace attorneys the resident evils all of those games came to nintendo systems because like capcom and nintendo were close so they would support nintendo now nintendo did it with bethesda and well you know bethesda's biggest franchises are now suddenly coming to switch doom Wolfenstein. There's a rumor that Fallout 4 uh, Game of the Year edition is going to be coming to Switch. Yeah, retailer other rumors have been panning out. It might as well be confirmed. Yeah, basically. Because, yeah, it got leaked by a Spanish retailer on their website. Like, the SKU got leaked. And they they took off the date, but they left the listing. So, yeah, it's confirmed. So, yeah, it's literally the Capcom strategy. It's Capcom Round 2, except now it's Bethesda. And meanwhile, Capcom's, like, off in a corner doing weird, like, half- steps to switch with like sort of old resident evils and kind of newish but not really monster hunters like definitive editions of definitive editions and not giving us like Mega Man legacy 2 
or the Disney Afternoon yeah, collection the or Okami. There, there was no, nothing Capcom related, huh? On the Switch? Nope. On the Direct? Nope. And even Apologize, I mean, that's just a port of... Oh, the... they had Resident yeah. Evil on there for a split second. Oh, yeah. But we already like Apollo. Yeah, yeah. same thing, yeah. But yeah, Bethesda's the new Capcom. Just throwing it out there. Like, what Nintendo and Capcom had, that's something special. It's now Bethesda. Nintendo's got a new girl. Her name's Bethesda. <laughs> but yeah, it's just so weird to see, like, it's literally copy-paste the exact same strategy. But after Fallout, I mean, what else do they have? No, those are the four big ones that I could think of. Yeah, but that's it. Uh, I mean, they have. They gotta uh, have other stuff. I mean, they have uh, Oblivion. They have Oblivion Online, but I mean, that's like a. But that's just like Skyrim's parent game. Yeah, I mean, that's something. Yeah, that's... someone's yelling at their podcast right now. Like, guys, you're forgetting game. Da-da-da-da-da. They have Pip Boy. They give like a side score starring Pip Boy. Maybe they'll bring the Vault game that's on iOS. I, I mean, at the rate that companies are bringing over like premium smartphone games like that. I wouldn't be surprised. That one's apparently really good. I was really, really love that game. I've heard very good things about it, yeah. But yeah, they don't have... You're right, they don't have much else. Uh, Yeah, it's Brink. Remember Brink oh, in 2011? their Team Fortress answer Back that the, yeah. was ultimately not answered. Yep, but that's about it. But not, not, So yeah, it's not quite the same as having Capcom, but it's still like... It is kind of funny to see the exact same strategy just being done with a different company. Hmm. I mean, good for Nintendo, like to get a big Western company like that to support them yeah, that heavily I, I, is a huge I guess, deal. Yeah, the fact that the Western does make it a bigger deal than say like their partnership with Platinum Games that's like really yeah. close and stuff. And, and like the weird thing is like they're I would say they have better relationships with Western publishers right now than they do with Japanese. But like the, the other who do they have? That's really I mean, they got EA bringing FIFA, they got 2K bringing and Rockstar together bringing a bunch of games. They're the same company. Yeah. They have Ubisoft making Mario and Rabbids and other stuff, presumably Just Dance and Starlink Ubisoft? and Steep and they're like all over the place. I mean, isn't the Raymouth of Montreal? Yeah, but it's still all the same. Ubisoft. Considered Western? Oh yeah, yeah. Western's just not Japan <laughs> in oh, the gaming right. world. Western's just anyone that's not Asia. Okay. So yeah, they, I mean, granted, all these companies are doing like experiments, and we'll see. But there's more Western companies doing experiments than there are mm-hmm. Japanese companies. And yes, I can't say experiment without that weird voice. But I, I realized I was like experiment, experiment. But yeah. Um. Anyway. I still can't believe Okami's not coming to Switch. They just announced the HD port. I was starting to say this before, but they just announced the HD port of Okami, Capcom did, for PS4, or not HD, uh, 4K. Or oh, that's HD. right. Yeah, yeah. No, they already had an HD it's one a four, for PS3, a, right? Yeah, it's a remaster. Four, it's a uh, PS4 and Xbox One. Okami did well on Wii. Okami had a sequel on DS. Why are we not getting Okami? Because Capcom. Yeah, yeah, Capcom. Cap can't, more like it. That doesn't make any sense. Can't com? Can't com, there we go. Come on, anyway, man. Anyway, so yeah, Bethesda... Um, oh, you know, actually, one thing about Bethesda is they have one extra perk that no other third party has gotten from Nintendo. Capcom didn't get it. Maybe this is why Capcom was like, no, we don't want what it. What is it? <laughs> they get the coveted holiday release spot that Nintendo normally oh, has. Oh, that's right. They do get that in November. Yeah, so for as long as I can remember, uh, for those who don't know what we're talking about, Nintendo always, the weekend before Thanksgiving and Black Friday, uses that Friday, that Tuesday, that Saturday, whatever day they used to lean on. It used to be different days. That weekend, though, is always their highest profile release of the year. We're still seeing it on 3DS. Pokemon Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon come out that day. But on Switch, there's literally nothing first party from Nintendo. Not only on that day, but basically excluding the snipper clips, like physical release of a digital game, there's nothing in the entire month of November from Nintendo. At all. Which is really weird for Switch. Instead, like we know Mario Odyssey is coming October 27th. We know Xenoblade 2 is coming December 1st, so they're flanking it, but it's a solid 30 days, if not slightly longer, 
in the biggest gaming month of the year with the most sales, only rival- maybe only December tops it, and Nintendo's just like, yeah, we don't need a flagship game. They're giving it to Skyrim. They're publishing it, granted, but Skyrim is now well, the I mean, big flagship. This is that game that in that initial trailer for the Switch that got a lot of people that like, yeah. well, this is going to have Skyrim? That it's just a hardcore gaming it's, console. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if there's Skyrim on it, then it must be. Basically. <laughs> it, it's funny how Skyrim has that reputation, it but does. it's true. Like, it seriously, does. I have it a lot of coworkers that literally basically said those words. Well, I mean, it makes sense. Skyrim's such a dense game. I don't mean, like, it's just like it's so cramped packed. And it's or, very clear it's not like a kiddie game in any yeah. sense of the word. Yeah. Which, I mean, Nintendo games aren't necessarily kiddie. They're for all ages. They're like Disney, but, I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's true. We don't know who their target audience is. <laughs> who, Skyrim? Skyrim? No, with Nintendo. Oh, yeah. Their target audience is uh, nine or 5 to 95, I think is their favorite phrase for describing <laughs> it, but... They just want to see more smiles and more faces. Do you remember that era of Nintendo when it was all about putting smiles on people's faces? Put a smile on? They never quite said that, but they did a whole E3 press conference. It was when Cammy, what's her name, was still a marketing person, the one that was Capcom, like... Capcom? Street Fighter Cammy? Yes. She, in her little beret, came out on Nintendo's press conference stage and was like, hey guys, we want to put smiles on faces, and then Roundhouse kicked Reggie. Correct. Uh, no, the Cammy, I forgot her last name, Dunway maybe, but there was a year there. Oh yeah. is when the balance board was trying to be more than just a Wii Fit accessory. Like they had Sean White snowboarding on it. And then she came out and she was like so overly excited and overly exuberant. It was just like, we want to put smiles on faces, like all your faces. And it's just like the most cringy. Yeah. She was not a gaming executive. I'll put it that way. She would have been great at like a toothpaste company maybe, but, but not gaming. But anyway, um, in terms of the Skyrim thing coming on November 16th. 17th i actually think it's a pretty clever strategy on Nintendo's part like since the switch launch we've gotten basically a first party game a month from nintendo sometimes more than that like in the next 45 days here we have a triple threat of Pokemon tournament fire emblem warriors and mario odyssey in just the next six weeks so they do more than one a month sometimes but we at least had one a month and all those first party games are going to sell well to switch newcomers during the holidays there's no doubt i mean the evergreen trends we see from past systems are showing that I mean, how was Pokemon doing on wii u would that actually be selling well? I have. Uh, I it remember. did really well when it first came out. I'm trying to remember. I don't remember anything beyond when it first came out. It didn't get into the top 10 of Wii U or anything. Like, it was never in Nintendo's financial reports. This is one of our best selling Wii U games. But it mm-hmm. did well enough that they're giving it a second shot. They have a bit of an esports scene for it. Like, it did well enough that they didn't consider it a bomb. I think it might have topped a million. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. I really don't remember. I just remember that Nintendo and Bandai Namco in particular was very happy with it. Well, that's good. So. But yeah, so like Pokin is just one of three games that's about to come out. But what I was trying to say is if you look at like the evergreen trends that we've seen in the past, like it doesn't matter if Mario Kart came out in April, it doesn't matter if Splatoon came out in July, or if Zelda came out back in March, they're all going to keep selling as more people jump in with Switch during the holidays. Like they don't need a November game because they have all these other games just kind of piled up. And you can already see it happening. On August NPD chart, uh, Switch number one selling console for the month, which is great. That means they must have enough inventory to actually become number one, which is a nice thing to see. Uh, outsold PS4, outsold Xbox One, and then in the top 10 software chart, Splatoon 2 was naturally there, Mario Kart 8 was there, Breath of the Wild was there. All three of them still in the top 10, some dating back now four or five months since release, and they're still selling well. And if you look over in Japan, nearly 75% of Switch owners already have Splatoon 2. So, first of all, that's probably the fastest Jason Sales corner you will ever get on this show. I didn't even realize you were in exactly. it. Exactly. See, I just seamlessly slipped us in. But my point is, like, yeah, uh, it, there's no other stats really to report. Nothing else got released. But uh, the point is, if those games are doing that well now, they don't really have to be releasing a game in November to sell systems because those games are obviously still system sellers. 
Mm. As such, for the holidays, they can let the third parties take the mantle so, or take the lead, so to speak, because all us early adopters, you and me and people listening and whatnot, who already have Switches, there's now 5 million of us out there. All of us out there, we're going to want something new. We'll go look at third parties. We'll buy third party stuff. And some people, sure, will buy a Switch because they want portable Skyrim or portable Doom or Sonic Forces on the go or whatever it may be. But they don't have to hook you to Switch with a game because the other games are already doing it. Like for the holidays because the other ones are already doing it for them. So it's kind of like a little two-prong approach they got going on. So it, it's, I, think it's, I think it's a pretty smart move. You know, because I'm sure when some people pick up a Switch, they're going to want more than just Mario Odyssey or Splatoon or whatever. So then the third parties could fill that void. But for us, they fill it now. And someone outside is greatly enjoying my analysis with that hearty laugh. There, for those, assuming just, they even heard it. Assuming they even heard it. I don't even know if the mics picked up the laugh. But yeah, there's a party being set up at your neighbor's house right now. And there's like a slight influx of laughter every so often. So that's that's what's going on if you guys hear weird laughter. We have not gotten a laugh track yet. Although, that's actually not a bad idea. Hmm. Uh, but anyway. Little, little switches that we could just press different things with different sound effects. Yeah, yeah, like a soundboard. Soundboard, there you go. Yeah, but uh, anyway, okay, you guys better hear that laughter this time. <laughs> it's pretty loud, but see, they like the soundboard idea. It's perfect. But anyway, yeah, so that's where third parties can come into play. And we already know that like Sonic Forces is out November 7th. Rocket League's coming out sometime during the holidays. We now know Doom's on the way during the holidays. Given us a holiday for it. November for what? No, for Rocket League. I don't think they quite know. They're still optimizing it. Yeah. I bet you it's going to be like a December release versus November. But yeah, we know all those are kind of during the holidays already. And then in the Direct, Nintendo also confirmed a few other high-profile third-party releases that will now fill in this wide-open month in November. And uh, one of them, I guess, technically was announced right before the Direct, but that is L.A. Noir from Rockstar Games. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, when you think Rockstar, I don't know if L.A. Noir is the first game that comes to mind. I mean, his claim to fame is the facial animations it had back in 2011. Um, the specific company that make it go bankrupt or something, and there was like a whole... Yes, and then Rockstar picked it up and finished it. Something like that. Yeah. yeah was but whole... yeah, so now it's a Rockstar property, but and they own all the code and everything. But yeah, the, the big claim to fame was its animation, and obviously we moved past that in terms of technologies. And people, like, reception to the game was a bit more mixed among people is what I've gathered. I mean, I've never actually played it, but you, you played it on PS3, right? Yeah, I didn't get super far just because the timing of its release kind of coincided with other Nintendo games that I was too busy playing. But, I mean, what I, what always caught my attention from the beginning was just the fact that it's pretty much 3D Ace Attorney. And the Ace Attorney spinoff game is actually really close to how this game plays. You run around an area, find clues, talk to people, present the clues you find as evidence to contradict their statements because they're sometimes lying. But the whole pull of the game is that you can kind of read their faces to see if they're lying. They always have a tell. Maybe they're, like, scratching their neck. Uh-huh. Pretty much exactly what you do in Hence the journey. need for the fancy animation. Yeah. Which yeah, which is always... I don't know. I just, I just always like the concept, and I pretty much felt like Grand Theft Auto, but in... Um, 1940s uh, yeah, LA. Yeah, a younger LA driver on the car is like, oh, I, I, I visited that landmark, or maybe not. The Libra Tarpits are still there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, Tarpits are... Yeah. Carpets have been here before any of us. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have yeah. mammoths in them from, from back in the day. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just a... I, I enjoyed my time with it, but since I didn't finish it on PS3, um, I guess now that I know it's coming to Switch, I still plan on finishing on PS3 because, <laughs> I mean... It reminded you it exists. Basically, yeah, because it's just been so long. So I guess the answer to my question whether you would double dip or not. I guess I not. It, it'd that, be but... 
pretty dumb of me to to double dip because right. yeah my ps3 is i mean it's connected to the same hdmi port there's no inconvenience to just playing it tomorrow or today right. you don't plan to play it on a bus or a train anytime soon so no i mean it does seem like a cool game to have on the go but i can't justify yeah. spending another no, potentially 50 bucks that makes i mean they are oh, no, it's 40 right it's they, they uh oh, no it's it's both so, um, it has the same cartridge tax situation as, uh, well, not so much Doom, but that we've seen on a lot of third-party games where the cartridge size issues again bubbling Rhyme. up. In that, like, Rhyme, um, like, that's, this is why, Tetris. uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris, um, some of the Nicholas games, this is why all those games come with physical objects now to make up the difference. But yeah, essentially, the downside here is that the game's gonna be 40 bucks on the eShop, it's gonna be 50 bucks on store shelves. But if you go w- walk over to the Xbox One or PS4 section where the remaster is also being released, it's only going to be 40 bucks. So the Wii, or the Switch, the Wii, the Switch version just looks over overpriced if you're in a store. Now, again, Nintendo, if you just, you know, ate the cost of the cartridge difference, you wouldn't have this look. And you might get more third parties. Just saying. But, uh, yeah, it's not the end of the world. I mean, this, honestly, it's not the end of the world. Like... Originally, I hated it because they were saying that you had a uh, price parity between eShop and console, or physical, um, but now it sounds like Nintendo's letting that go. So, Because mm. it used to be, from my understanding, that third parties were able to justify overcharging it, not just to consumers by putting in free things, but to Nintendo by saying it's something different now. And if unless Rockstar is giving you, like, an L.A. Newark detective hat with the game, <laughs> I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that's out the window, and Nintendo's like, whatever it takes to get our games, which is the right attitude to have. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm just hoping it does well so we can get other Rockstar games. Yeah, well, do you remember? It's very reminiscent of... I mean, of... I wouldn't mind if they ported Red Dead Redemption over with their DLC. I yeah. would definitely get that. I mean, that's because uh, that's the thing. is like, two Rockstar's credit, they're putting effort into this. Like, they are putting all the DLC. They're adding Joy-Con controls, so motion controls. They're adding a new, like, um, kind of wide over-the-shoulder viewpoint, I mean, which I assume controls, is, is for... Yeah, touch controls when you're on the go. I assume the Joy-Cons will just do the touch controls, but if you're at your TV, like, it'll just be a pointer. But uh, they're also adding um, what I was trying to say is this new like over-the-shoulder view, which I assume is to make the touch controls and the uh, Joy-Con controls make sense in the context of the game. Because I think it's third-person normally, so it'd be weird if you're like, I'm just going to go touch this wall, and then your character's like, I mean, across the room. There's a good amount of shooting involved in the game. But... Oh, that's probably for that, too. Yeah. I mean, something that, I mean, it's very novel, but what I hope is true for the Switch version is that, um, I guess it's true for a lot of just modern third-person shooter or third-person games on any console but whenever you're investigating an item and picking it up mm-hmm. typically you rotate the item with the analog sticks so i'm hoping that with the switch you could just rotate the joy con on a one-to-one way maybe cool if they use hd rumble just to, to like, simulate the movement of the stuff yeah, on the object yeah, just to like you're literally rotating it one-to-one like oh i want to look under the shoe let me right. just flip this under and I bet they'll I, do something I feel like, like that would be really it's cool. Too, it's too... It's very small, but I would really appreciate that. It's too obvious to not do. I mean, they're they're literally having a developer work just on the Switch I mean, version, I'm early so. enough in the game that I, I could still potentially be tempted into getting it, but it wouldn't be on launch for sure. Right, right. But but yeah, it's uh, it's uh, being developed by a company called Virtuous, who they are single-handedly... Or not... There's multiple versions coming out. You got VR, you got Xbox, you got PlayStation, you got Switch. And Virtuous, from my understanding, is only doing the Switch version. They're dedicated to that one. So presumably they will think of things like what you're describing. I mean, they're already saying they're adding new items. They're adding new detective suits with additional abilities, which immediately makes it sound like a some sort of weird like superhero game, but I assume it's not. But yeah, so I think... And these guys have a decent track record, by the way. They did um, Return to Arkham, the Batman remaster for PS4 and Xbox One, and they also have done a bunch of 
uh, phone conversion. So they're really they know touchscreen gaming pretty well. So I'm hopeful that's a good sign. But this whole thing, to your Red Dead point a minute ago, reminds me so much of how Rockstar sort of tested the water with the Wii. Do you remember Bully being on the Wii? I do remember Bully. So Bully was on the Wii, which is the most out-of-left-field Rockstar game you could think of at that time, probably. And they did a full port with enhancements, yeah, motion it, controls. Was it like Scholarship Edition? It's called Scholarship Edition. They did motion controls. They added new content. It was like a really good port. It sold pretty decently. It got good reviews, like really good reviews, like nines and nine and a halfs. And then, you know what they followed it up with? Rockstar Table Tennis. So I don't know if you're getting Red Dead, but you are probably getting a table tennis game in the near future, so get excited. But uh, no, no, I actually, good, well, I table, actually, Rockstar Table Tennis is also quite good from what I've heard. So, and that was a big thing for them at the time. So it could we could see a Red Dead <laughs> situation, kind of, possibly. But uh, yeah, that that is La Noire. It's funny because I I wasn't particularly I didn't care about the game very much besides oh cool it's set in La back when it came out in 2011. But like as you were sitting here describing it, it's like Ace Attorney. It's like narrative driven. I'm sitting here like oh my god, it's another game that's perfect for the Switch in terms of the narrative thing. Like remember last episode I was saying. Um, you know, the Telltale games, um, Kentucky Route Zero, uh, all that stuff is like perfect for Switch because it's like you just take the story with you wherever you go. This, it it happened. You can, you can go listen. Um, but yeah, it, uh, yeah, this fits that bill so perfectly. So I hope it does well for Rockstar. So it does mean bigger games from them in the future. And just because like, it sounds like they're really putting some effort in. Cartridge pricing aside. Um, yeah, I mean... Well, they can't expect them to port every game over. Like, I don't know if Red Dead Redemption Two would even be realistically possible on the Switch. I, I mean, the open knows? world thing gets tricky. Like, I think Doom yeah. worked from PS4 to Switch because it's very confined. Yeah, I mean, and very I mean, linear. I mean, I was, I mean, I haven't played it obviously, but I would assume it's a more corridory first-person shooter game, mm-hmm. which means they could do a lot of culling or like you're only looking at small, like yeah, they don't have to render a ton basically. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, because even Minecraft like cheats it a little, and that's like as open world as you can get. So if Red Dead if Red Dead comes to, Switch, to do, it's the first one for sure. Yeah, it would probably only be the first one. But or the second one somehow grafted on top of the first one, which is like, well, why not just do the first one at that point? Yeah. But but yeah, the 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 cartridge thing though. The reason I brought it back up is I you mentioned Resident Evil before, and we, they're having that issue too with the cartridge. I mean, I think the only reason, if you recall, Resident Evil, which by the way, in the direct confirmed to come out on um, November twenty eighth now. So that's just another game to pile in for November. And in the um, – if you remember when it was first announced, in the press release, they were saying that if you buy the physical collection of Resident Evil Revolutions 1 and 2, you only get one on the cartridge, and then you go download two with a download code. I assume for the same reason that um, L.A. Noir is $10 more, for the same reason that Doom doesn't have multiplayer, we again now have Resident Evil just yeah, not having everything it. on the cartridge. Yeah. So it's kind of a weird well, circumstance. If you sit down and do that deal, that actually works out perfectly for our purposes. Oh, you mean where we we buy it and then one of us takes one, one of us yeah, takes two? Yeah, because you said you didn't care yeah. for getting one, and I would want to get one again, but I, I don't care for two. two because I have it on PS4. Yeah, so. and you know two, well, one and two, they're actually doing a lot with, more than I expected in terms of enhancements. Like originally when we first talked about it, it was just like, so I'm, I'm, I'm down is what I'm saying. Because originally when we first talked about it, it was just like, oh yeah, they're bringing it over and now it has traditional controls because the original on 3DS had motion controls, right? Now it turns out you have both. So the right Joy-Con is going to be able to be your uh, aiming, and then you can shake it up, like do an upward flick to reload. Meanwhile, the left Joy-Con, should you choose to play with them independently in your hands, can be your like shake off the enemy move. 
So I, I thought that was kind of cool. Like they're not just because when it came to console, it's kind of like it became a more traditional Resident Evil. But now they're almost going full circle back to um, to the original setup where it was more Nintendo-y in terms of crazy controls. Um, and on top of that, they're saying HD Rumble support will be in, which is something that I think every game should have. Some still don't, but HD Rumble, when it works, is really cool. Like Mario and Rabbids uses it really well, for example. Um, and then they also said that Revelations 2, they're adding local co-op for raid mode. Originally, from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, you own it. You can only do raid mode co-op if it was online. Does that ring true? Because they're making it sound like it's now new that you can do it on the same device. I mean, that doesn't sound right because I know I played raid mode a ton with a friend. Like, we 100%ed every mission, but I want to say it was local. But that could be wrong. Maybe we did it all online. Or I know I've been over here before when you were playing it online with a friend. I don't know if there's also a local equivalent, but I do remember you playing it online with a friend. It might have only been online. I don't know. Well, now it's local. Whether it's, whether it was before or not, so now it for sure It's so long that I don't yeah. remember. But yeah, they're doing it now where you can each use just one Joy-Con. So like you could just be out at the park with your Switch, pop it off, and hand it someone into you can, can I raid mode. Can I do like, grip mode and the other person use a pro controller? Yes, it's the option to use just oh, one Joy-Con. Okay. I assume you can sync any Joy-Con, but it's one of those things where it's just like Capcom, to their credit, is actually trying to make this game make like is making this game make sense on Switch in every way possible. So that, that's kind of cool. So so to give you kind of a sense of what November looks like now, just a sense of the pacing here. So we now have Sonic Forces, Skyrim, Doom, Rocket League, LA Noir, and Resident Evil all in a five to six week stretch during the holidays. That to me is a pretty solid lineup of games. Because granted, some of them we've played before. Actually, I don't think any of them are actually entirely new experiences except Sonic Forces. But to have the freedom to do it on the go, to have the freedom to do things like local co-op for Resident Evil, which may or may not be new, um, like that that seems cool to me. Like it, it, It's a good lineup for Nintendo, and you can kind of see why they left it op- November open to third parties to do this thing, even if some of the things they're doing during this window are those uh, crucial quote-unquote trials of games to see what works and what doesn't. Hmm. But but it's nice that Nintendo's actually like giving them breathing room because that's that's where usually it goes wrong. Like a third party will come out with something, but Nintendo the next week will release Mario Galaxy or whatever, and then they're like, "Oh, guess my game's not doing well anymore." So so we'll see. My gut tells me it's gonna work though. Like I think they, this actually could work, and I feel that way because uh, there's been some surprise success among indies lately on Switch that they've all been bragging about, and I don't just mean success like the game sold well enough to be worthwhile to bring to switch i mean like they became the best-selling versions of their selves on switch uh so this came about because a game business industry site game industry business site there we go called uh Ganasutra. they interviewed a bunch of indies about switch and bringing their game to switch and what it was like and then tucked into the ending of that the end of that interview which is a casual comment from the developers of wonder boy who shared which you own we've talked about it on the show back in i think april and they I don't know why I'm telling you you own it. Of course you know you own it, but I guess it's for them listening. The fun but, game. Yeah, it is. I, I played it a bit with you, I think. Or I recommend. Wonder Boy the Dragon's Tale, right? One player. Sequel. Yeah, no, but I, like we alternated on your TV. I don't... You don't remember this? We oh, definitely I, did. You are showing me the different... Gra- things with you. You were definitely give, showing me the different graphic styles and, asked, and told me I should try it, and then I did. All right. Yeah. Good to know our friendship's so solid that you don't even remember doing things that friends do but anyway um so wonder boy it turns out not only did it sell on switch the switch version has outsold every other platform's release combined whoa 
just wait it keeps going it's a snowball effect now other developers I don't know if you forget are it's in. available for other consoles yeah oceanhorn also sold more sold more on switch than every other platform combined and keep in mind it was on other platforms oh, i've never even heard of that game that's the um the one that kind of has a wind waker art style i couldn't tell you much about it beyond that <laughs> but it sold more on switch than any other platform combined. Uh, in spite of yeah i was not even and really in spite of you not even knowing about it. death squared we've talked about that game on the show before uh Liked, and we liked it. It sold more on Switch in just three days than all other platforms combined and still is selling 200 500% more copies on Switch than anyone else. Whoa. Now, those are just percentages. For all we know, they mean it's literally selling like 10, 10 versus two. you know two. But it's still – that math doesn't work. 500% of two is not <laughs> But um, – oh, wait. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah, it is. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Let me second guess my math. Yeah. But – oh, and – and I did make you second guess your maps. And also Forma 8. Forma 8 was on Wii U. Forma 8's been on everything. The only system Forma 8 is selling better on is the iPhone. But because it has to be cheaper on iPhone to actually sell at all, the highest revenue version, Switch. It's been out for like two weeks. Wow. So that's just like, my point is these aren't even like the flagship indie games. These are just random indie games, which I, they're good. You own two out of the four. That says something about like the fact that people are buying these games. But even they're doing better than expected, which means, of course, the big third-party games have a shot. Of course, they have a chance of doing well, and I think they will do well if the little guys are doing this well with not much marketing. It's just, it's cool to see. Like, it's kind of rare. And granted, I know Switch has a small lineup, but 125 games, that's where it's at right now, if not higher. It's still pretty hefty. No one needs that many games. No one needs that many games. So, no one, people are still sorting through things, and but still buying things a lot. There's at least, like, seven to eight games on there that i know i want to get as soon as possible right. but i can't get anytime soon like i still want to get yeah. bull boy like point and click adventure games just always intrigue me mm-hmm. and i know there was another one but i can't yeah i was expecting right. a whole list like there's like eight games so here's one <laughs> but uh yeah. yeah it's 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 this it's this demand like you're not the only one there's this demand of people just there's always games people want like people with switches just really want to use their switches which is nice and i think that's why we're seeing not just so many games find success so early, but probably why a lot of games that would normally just be indie eShop releases are getting physical releases starting in the next month or so. Like in the last two weeks of October alone, we're getting a remaster of adventure game Siberia 1, which dates all the way back to PS2 and has been on like seven systems since then, but now it's coming to Switch physical. We're getting uh, an isometric platformer called, called Lumo, which again, normally would be an eShop release, but the window's there, the opportunity's there, take it. So now it's going physical. We're getting a 3D platform called Poi, which, eh, honestly, my initial impression of myself was eh, but nonetheless, this is something, again, makes sense on the eShop, it'll be on store shelves, and we're also getting an action platform called A Heroes. Mm, do we want to, like, flood the shelves with that many games? But, see, it's not is really, because of the 125 games that I just, that I said are on Switch, I don't know, 30 of them, 40 of them maybe have, like, actual physical copies. It's mm. so much indie stuff. So what this allows is if you walk into a store right now and you look at the Switch, it's like, oh, all right, there's like a dozen games. Like, go look at Best Buy. Actually, my local Best Buy just moved the Switch to the front of the video game section. It has a big display now. Like, it's the it thing. But the the Switch shelf is like a single shelf. It's about the same size as Amiibo. And then 3DS is like three of them. So, and then you go PS4 and it's a whole aisle. So they could afford, they have room. But yeah, we're getting all these, all in like a two-week span, all as physical cartridges, and it, to me, seems like a sign that, yeah, there's demand here, and they're probably going to do pretty well. I mean, there's a reason, like, Nicholas releases every single game of theirs physical now. Like, it, it works. 
And mm-hmm. uh, actually, you know, A8 Heroes is kind of an interesting one. We got a little sidetracked, but that, it's like 2D. It's called A8 Heroes. It's basically a 2D. It's like a 2D um, Wonderful 101 kind of. You get to control one of 88 different heroes, all different abilities, all different characters, and it's like side-scrolling action platformer kind of pixel art. And it's just each one does something different. So it's like you kind of rinse and repeat. So it's only, I guess, Wonderful 101 in concept, not in execution. But it's, yeah, it's just kind of this unique approach to platforming. But yeah, so all these in October and then all the big third parties in November and December, it's, it's, it's not bad. Of course, the real telltale sign of third party success on Switch might be the arrival of shovelware. Oh, it's happening. Good old shovelware. Yep, there's a company called UIG. And they are releasing physical games for Switch on cartridges that will be on store shelves. How long before we get our Cold Stone game? I don't know. Cold Stone Double Scoop or whatever it's called has a rare gem in the Wii library that is very that's not going to be repeated. I wonder if they have so. it there just yeah. like so people could know it exists or if it's there. To Wait, sell. okay, so you did tweet a picture of that game box. Where was that at a Cold Stone? It was at the Cold Stone in front of the Best Buy and Downey. Everyone drive to Downey and see it for yourself. That's <laughs> Downey, California, just southeast of Los Angeles proper. Yeah. <laughs> but they actually have it there? Yeah, that's where mm. I took the picture. I really recommend the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup Ice Cream. You know, I don't really like Cold Stone, to be honest with you. Really? I like, I, I don't really taste the difference between their and, the and, and any, it's any the other texture. ice cream. It's the texture. It's the texture. Here's like the thing. I, any other yes, ice no, cream. Here, it's the texture, not the taste. Those are different things. It's, the texture <laughs> tastes like ice cream. No, the texture's a little different in order to let it sort of keep its pe- itself together. It's not as creamy. It's tougher. Not tougher, like, noticeably bad. It's just, like, you know, ice cream can be creamier or a little, like, heavier or a little, like, uh, almost more frozen feeling. It's kind of that. Which isn't fine, but which is fine, but it's ice really, cream. I feel like I've never felt that. If anything, I feel like that more towards thrifty ice cream. Oh, thrifty for sure is that, yeah. Like, I always thought, I used to, like, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just, like, every time I've had cold stone, it's never felt hard. It's always been nice and creamy and... But it's, like, it's like I don't know how to describe it. It's, like, tougher... It's like elasticy, like it's tougher. Like definitely it, never had. It. I haven't had it in a long time, but the last time I had it, it was kind of like not elastic, like it actually stretches, but like because it has to hold all the stuff that they mix on the table in front of you, so like they have to be able to like kind of contain itself. So it's kind of like a, it has a give. You clearly it has have, a give. Um, very specific taste in it. I'm not saying. I, I guess so. I eat almost any ice cream. I would eat Cold Stone. It just wouldn't be my first choice. Okay. But Cold Stone Double Scoop for the Wii. So which do you, you recommend? No, I'm curious. Uh, like, what, best what, ice cream. Wait, which one do you approve of like wholeheartedly? There's a place called Smitten. Um, they're a smaller chain, but they're very good. They're also kind of overpriced. Um, ben Jerry's is always a solid choice. Uh, Haagen-Dazs is a safe bet. Yeah. Okay. There's also a really good place called Handles. Um, I think they're regional, so most of the country won't appreciate, or the world that's listening will appreciate this, but they're very good. Were you there with us that day that we went to some ice cream shop and they were and they had like fried flavor ice cream like that. oh yeah the, yeah we we were in a oh, so, oh it was called scoops yeah yeah very interesting flavors it definitely smelled like fast food but it was, yeah, ice, it was cream. ice cream yeah the world's a weird place and you know what makes it weirder watch this transition shovelware games such as these are all kind of switch these are real uh, oh no I lost my list here we go firefighters airport fire department ski racing twenty eighteen and obviously the best of the bunch, riding stable, my life. Whose life? I don't know, but <laughs> it's life, I guess. Or well, hers life. Her life. There's a girl on the box. Yeah, actually, if, if those names don't raise a red flag for anyone listening, go to rantown.com, go to the blog post for this episode, scroll down the timestamps, 
go to the Go Nintendo link with the gallery of all these game boxes. There's seven in all, and it's bad. And not go through all the steps. Yeah, but then we don't get free traffic that doesn't give us anything because we don't have ads. So why am I even worried about that? We do it for fun, yeah. for the people. No, but I mean, like, why am I trying to get them to our site if we don't have yeah. ads? What difference does it make? But, um, yeah, either way, go look them up. The game box is like Firefighters Airport Fire Department. It's just an explosion with an airplane going one way and a fire truck I mean, going that, the other. I mean, the, the box doesn't – I mean, it implies an action-packed game, but the but title – the way the title's written implies it's like a – Really like a Firefighter simulator. It's like you make – Which could be fun. It's like you just make chili all day and then slide down a pole once I mean, every two this weeks. this game could be, like, the best game ever. It could be better than, like – Breath of the Wild. Ooh, uh, that hurts to hear. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I haven't played them. Or that's true. Them. We are being very judgmental, and very. On the, and on Roundtable Podcast, we try not to be judgmental unless it's about Cold Stone Ice Cream. That stable game, my life could potentially be the next. Like, mean riding stable, my life. Whatever. Also, riding stable. Do you mean the horse doesn't tip over? Like <laughs> that's a weird name. Stable where um, you keep horses. I know, but like you don't usually say you're riding stable. <laughs> well, she's riding stable. Like, I guess it means a stable of things you can I know, ride. I know, but it's really awkward. You, you need conflict to make things interesting, and if someone's already stable, that's not going to make for a exactly. good game. Exactly. I mean, yeah. why do you think everyone makes fun of the 3DS firmware updates? It's just stability improvements. How I mean, stable I guess, can the 3DS? I mean, get? I guess they were they were worried that people were going to get confused for like a looking stable or a petting stable. This is a stable for riding. <laughs> clearly, yeah. clearly. I mean, it is a very confusing topic. It's true, uh, but yeah. So there's those bad, there's those potentially bad games coming to Switch, but there's also so many good games. So and the good games continue into 2018. Uh, one excellent example, straight out of the Nintendo Direct, is none other than Project Octopath Traveler, which ended up being not just a big part of the Direct, but getting a worldwide release of a surprise demo on the eShop same day as the Direct. That's kind of a kind of a neat surprise. I never thought we'd see something quite like that in the sense of a game that's not coming out for so long, getting a demo so soon. Sounds like they were really looking forward to that feedback so they could make it. Yeah, it's basically a giant focus group because what they're doing is um, everyone can play the demo and then they literally the next day email you. Yeah, if your Nintendo account is linked, you'll get an email. My suspicion is part of that focus group. I haven't taken the survey yet, but I'm guessing one of the questions is what you think of the name Octopath Traveler. They claim it's a working title, but... Hence the word project? Yes, but two things. One is copyrighted. Three things. One is copyrighted. Two... Who puts out a demo before a final name? Like, what happens in six months when the game is turned into Final Fantasy Octo or something? It won't be, but let's say it is. Or And then... I don't know. What are they like? Like, who, all the people that... How do they communicate back? Hey, remember that game you played last fall that you really liked? What if they don't Here want to it reveal is, but it's actually, actually like not. Final Fantasy 17 or something? I... It, it, could you imagine the backlash if secretly they're, Octopath they're, they're, Traveler was the next Final Fantasy? Well, they're, they're, they're pulling a, like a Mega Man 9 and 10 where like instead of going better graphically, they actually they, went better. Yeah. I mean, it's potentially... Which is possible. It does have that old school vibe, but does like it's certainly I mean, possible. Gravity Default was practically going back to their Final Fantasy roots. And this is the same team, yeah. Yeah, so... But, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, the title almost makes sense, as nonsensical as it is. Like, now that we know what Square Enix yeah, is doing, paths, and we've seen it, there's eight, eight paths, stories. eight people, eight... Ways. Travels. <laughs> but yeah, and, and the thing is, like, um, like, the eight character thing, take it or leave it, it is a bit of a gimmick, but, like, the game's pretty cool like i i enjoyed the demo it's um you only get two of the eight characters but each character has their own story their own custom uh custom character command which is the thing you can do like outside of battle that kind of influences how the story goes like in the demo did wait did you play the demo yeah but you're not a huge jrpg huge fan i love jrpgs do you Oh, yeah, you have Tails. What am I saying? I'm not the huge JRPG fan. <laughs> there we go. I knew one of us was. 
profile. <laughs> That's such a weird thing to. No, I I think I. I'm <laughs> Do trying I to like con- this genre? <laughs> well, no. The thing is, I like my plan, but I almost rarely buy them outside of Pokemon and like Tales of Symphonia and a few other exceptions. Right, but, yeah, I like JRPGs. But yeah, it's like so. So who'd you play in the demo? Because there are two characters. There's Primrose, and the, there's oh, what's the other dude's name? There are two characters. <laughs> there's the other dude. So so the girl. Wait, didn't you play the other dude? No, I switched over because so the girl has a much better story. Like it's she's a dancer. It's rather atypical for RPGs. Like there's a lot of weirdly a lot of innuendo. Um, there's a mur- there's a murder right on screen. Uh, she's called a whore on multiple occasions. Like this is not a kids game, contrary to its old school look. Uh, and then there's the other guy who's a warrior whose name I apparently forget, and that should tell you everything about the storyline right there. It's pretty forgettable. Oh 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 oh, Olbic Olberic Olbertic. Something like that. Olberic. I think it's Olberic. Olbertic. Anyway, so who'd you play as? Because I did the girl. Primrose. Same. I told you. I, oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. When we first played it, I'm like, that's oh, right. I'm playing as Primrose. It's like, it's yeah, pretty but the cool. listeners don't know you're playing as Primrose. I know. Until I, 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 yeah. <laughs> but no, oh, I'm joking about forget. it. I told them the story was pretty cool. I was like, really? Mine's pretty boring. I don't know why. Yeah, Olbertic Rick Bick is not a very interesting person. Oh, you have a horrible memory. I, do you remember his name? No, I, I didn't even play that thing or try to. No, I don't have a horrible memory. I was trying to guide it for the listeners because they don't know who you picked. It's, no, called, yeah. it's called... I already answered that, though. I already oh. said I played as Primrose. That's right, you did. And then I went on to say how I told you I played as Primrose before you played as Primrose, and that made you switch over because you said that the other guy's story was That's boring. That's right. That's right. I honestly didn't even know there was another option. I just... <laughs> well, I now know his name, I so... I think Primrose was like, selected by default. Or yeah, she's she's the bottom option. He's off to the side. Yeah, so that was just like the first character I saw and yeah. I picked it. Anyway. I mean, I mean, anyway, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, from what I played, the game was fun. I could definitely see myself like looking forward to it and buying it. But honestly, I mean, the art style looked cool, but I feel like I got over it really fast. To the, I like it a lot. To the point where, I don't know, it almost like didn't matter anymore. It just felt like I was playing a Super Nintendo game. Really? Because I know. I mean, ultimately, like, like, a, like a very shiny, like an HD, like a Christopher Nintendo game, but with bloom lighting galore and tilt shift. Yeah, effects. I don't know. Like, Darth, I thought just didn't really add anything or take anything from it. It was just, it just is what it is. I don't know. I, thought, I mean, the, the, granted, the, it is just an art style, but I mean, to me, it's basically Square Enix's version of Paper Mario. Like, so it's like if you like or dislike Paper Mario's aesthetic. Yeah, well, I mean, Paper Mario's aesthetic was like used as a part of the story. I mean. The fact that he was paper was an integral part of the mechanics. That's why I just said aesthetic specifically. I know this was just this is like <laughs> yeah. it could have been in black and white or anything like. True, that. Didn't. but yeah, I don't know. I thought it was cool. Like it's you I mean, got two I mean, sprites, cool, but I mean, like, I'm not saying I disliked it. Yeah. I'm just saying it was inoffensive. It was just it was cool in trailers, and then after a few couple minutes from playing it, I honestly forgot I was even playing. It, it always kind of reminded me of the pseudo three D two D. They're HD 2D, as they're calling it, or it, whatever. It reminded me all the time, because the edges were blurry. So, like, as you walk down, what you're trying to see at the bottom screen is slightly blurred, because there's that tilt shift going on. Yeah. But I did, like, one of the things I noticed is when, so when you're Primrose and you're in the catacombs, which is, like, this cave area, well, the catacombs are obviously caves, but, uh, so you have the natural light in the cave from these little flames that are shooting her flat sprite shadow one way, and then you have her lantern that's doing something else with shadows. It's, like, all these dynamic lighting and shadow effects that just, I don't know, to me that was kind of cool. But then again, I also was super into Paper Mario just based on how it looked, let alone the you know paper stacks that came later. So, I guess that's why. But but gameplay wise, I I thought it was kind of cool. Like not not just like um, the fact that oh, you know, it's a traditional RPG in battles, but you have this break mechanic where 
if you whittle down specific weaknesses on enemies, you then just get to do these super boost power moves that knock out much more damage. And there's the strategy of when to best use the boost versus when to break and all that. Like, that was fine. But the thing I thought was kind of cool is even in the gameplay, like the uh, out-of-battle gameplay, so specific character abilities are kind of... I mean, granted, they're all sort of the same thing, but they're kind of integrated in some interesting ways. Like with Primrose, so she has this allure ability where you basically drag people with you somewhere. Or you convince them to go with you because she's a dancer. And guys will be like swooning over her and go with her. So they kind of leverage that in order to get around and do things and progress the story. Meanwhile, the few minutes I spent with the guy, Olberick, Olbertick, whatever his name is, his ability is he can duel anyone. Even like the little lady in a house. Like anyone he can fight. Huh. So for his ability, that sounds cool. when you get later in the story, from what I've seen after I gave up on him, is uh, you need to use the dual ability to clear your path to move forward in the game. So while Primrose, in order to beat her boss at the end of the demo, you actually had to go level grind like a very traditional RPG. Not so much with Ulberic, I would assume, because he's battling every step of the way, while Primrose, you really... Like, before you get to the boss, you maybe do two or three battles tops. But it sounds like uh, Ulberic, Ulbertic, you do a lot more. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But yeah, it's to me, the way I saw the 2D HD... It's a cool aesthetic, as I was saying, but to me, between that and kind of the interesting approach to the character differences... This is basically how you like should correctly, quote unquote, do a new RPG that's trying to feel like an old RPG. Like if you want to do something new that feels nostalgic and traditional, but have it be totally new, something like this does the trick. Because like it faded away into classic RPG for you, but it still feels fresh and different when you first see it at first glance. Which ultimately yeah. is probably visuals, what you want to differentiate from indie RPG number yeah, 10. I mean the super unique visual art style definitely drew me in, but then after that it was just... Yeah, like a new game to play. Right, I, I do have to admit, I thought the HD Rumble was really cool. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for HD Rumble, but I did, it, I did like like whoa that the way that door closed. Yeah, that door. <laughs> whoever's opening and closing those doors is the most aggressive door closing person I've ever. Like your console will shake. <laughs> like that was kind of cool. Um, I thought I don't know if you noticed like when there's money tossed on a table, it kind of does a little like money falling feel. Um, in battle, when you do the break move with the boost mechanic or the break that can let you then do the boost, whatever. Um, there's a nice little satisfying like shake so yeah they, they did a good job um and yeah honestly the battle system super traditional minus the break boost thing which is just i think pretty much grafted from bravely default right yeah pretty so, much so yeah it's it's uh it's a good game i'm i'm intrigued yeah i'm intrigued it's very I'm traditional it's very gives me some time to oh yeah yeah attack my backlog yeah and i'm pretty sure they're keeping the name at this point honestly like the only other time I can think, think of it would just be called Octopath Traveler. Probably. Like the only other time I could think of a demo having not the same name was PT, which was going to become Silent Hills, but then it got canceled. Hmm. But even that one was like they were just really good at communicating that to people. So I guess Square Enix, if they change the name, could be very good at communicating it. But it's going to be called Final Fantasy Octopath Traveler. Oh God! Imagine or like Secret of Mana Octo or something. Secret of Octo Mana Path Travel. Yeah. But it's uh, Super Mario RPG. <laughs> Super Mario, yeah, they just have one cameo. But yeah, it's um, whatever name they sell on. I've I've got to give them props. Like this is a very elaborate project through and through. Like that graphic style probably took some work. It's running on Unreal Four. It's fully voice acted, sort of, mostly voice acted. It yeah, it's it's impressive. And you would think that'd be enough for Square Enix in the direct, but no. They also had to go announce that they're bringing the original Dragon Quest Builders to Switch. Which, uh, we knew the sequel was on the way. That was announced in Japan a month or so ago. But now, uh, in the spring, we'll be getting the first one as well. Which is kind of cool to see. I think it just goes to further show 
how like third parties are finding success with Switch, like I was saying before. Because you know you see stuff like this where a company's bringing a sequel and then going back and also deciding to bring the first game over too, and you realize that's a pretty huge vote of confidence from them to do that. It's kind of what Nicholas is doing. They're perhaps an even better example. Just like they're so confident in the Switch. Uh, I mean, they have It'll Do Two and uh, Tiny Barbarian on the way in the coming weeks. They've released I don't know how many games up to this point, four or five. But then they're already teasing the next wave of games. Not just the next game. The next wave of games. Like, many games. Multiple games. After PAX a few weeks back. <laughs> all the games. All the games. But no, seriously. Like, after PAX a few weeks back, they put a photo of a Switch on their Twitter. And on the Switch was every game they have in the works right now for Switch. And it was almost an entire screen. I think it's like two icons short. And, you know, it had stuff that we already know about. Um, it has, like, The End is Nigh on there. But they also had stuff blurred out, which is intriguing. Like, one icon looks like it could have been um, V, 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 or just V if you want to shorthand it. Uh, another icon looked like it could have been 1001 Spikes, which they've teased before but never confirmed. I kind of hope one of them is Spelunky. Uh, that's a game I've always been curious about but just never had the means to play it. It might right. be on PS3, but I never checked. It just felt like a game I would want to have on the Wii U at the time. And I guess now I would rather have it on the Switch. Right, right. And and what's interesting is they're not just pointing over Wii U games. Because Spelunky would make total sense. Because it fits exactly the build they're doing. They seem yeah, to also but... be doing 3DS games. Like, one of the icons, NeoGAF, the gaming form, swears is Code Princess. Which was an Atlas game on 3DS from, I think, like, 2012, 2013, 2014. And now it's apparently coming to Switch. So I'm not even sure how that one will work. But... Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. The one I'm most excited for that wasn't even blurred out is a 90 Super GP, previously known as 90s Arcade Racer. Uh, this one, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of these early 3D racing games like Cruisin' and Rush and Ridge Racer and all that. Like the late 90s arcade racers are were my thing for quite a while. So I've been following this one for a really long time, and then it went radio silent for an equally long amount of time. Like I think their last Kickstarter update, they were a Kickstarter was um end of 2015 and then they're like nicholas is gonna publish us then it just like disappeared off the face of the earth so to see it come back and to see it now on this uh screenshot of upcoming switch games that are like close enough that they're saying them by name is nice to see gives me some hope so hopefully it turns out good it looked really good back when they first were showing it off but but we'll see another game for you two hopefully beat hmm i don't know about being games <laughs> well, at least, well, racing games I usually yeah, can beat, well, yeah. I mean, at least these kinds of games, specifically those racer ones, don't really have an ending. I mean, you yeah. kind of just pick to them once, especially if it's an arcade. If you manage to make it to the end, you get your credits, and I was less than so obsessed with Race, Ridge Racer DS. Speaking of these sort of like ninety star arcade racers, like of all games, it's not it's not a good game necessarily. It's just a really really fun game. Like I was obsessed with that. Prior to that, I was super into Rush Two as a kid. I would play the tr- the stunt mode for hours on N64. Just the stunt mode. Just by itself, <laughs> by myself. It was, it was super fun. So yeah, I, I, I can see myself getting into Night Arcade Racer. Um, or sorry, 90 Super GP as it's now known. I don't know why they changed the name. But on a sort of similar note, but from a different publisher, I feel like we also need to mention another indie game coming to Switch that um, wasn't in the direct or anything, but is a round Nintendo favorite. We both really like it a lot, and that is Rumbo. 13am Games. Old Rumbo. Good old Rumbo. 13AM Games is actually passing off porting duties uh, to a different company because they're doing a secret Switch project right now. But they are, in fact, going to have Runbo on pretty Switch exciting, in considering They came up with a unique way to have nine people play on the Wii U. Yeah. Just bad news, to... that drops to eight in the Switch version. Which is fine. I mean, eight is a nicer number. It's nine online, 
But if you all play with real people, it's eight. Yeah, I mean, we never have more than six. At least when that game was coming out. I think we did one time play with all nine, which was a blast. But it's just as good as Smash Brothers has shown us. Right. And, um, yeah, it's it's going to be perfect for Switch. The system's already local multi- multiplayer heavy, so... It does support eight. Yeah, I guess it does. Yeah, it has you to, can do it, it with eight Joy-Cons. Right? No, yeah, it has to because yeah. you have to be Four able to have eight grips. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, beyond beyond just losing one player for local, it's pretty much a straightforward port. They're putting all the DLC on there and everything. But I am curious how, if at all, how is Color Master going to work? So Color Master, for those who don't just not know exist. or don't remember, is wait, what was, what was your answer? So it's not <laughs> or just, exist? just not exist? No, I could still see exist. But basically, how it worked is um, one person on the gamepad they're picking the color of the they background. Do, they bust the jackbox. Well, my theory, on, my theory was you don't need the colors. You can just have the buttons assigned to colors and just yeah, give a joy a Joy-Con true. to someone. There's yeah. only four color, four colors, five colors. It depends. Sometimes um, you could pick from a bigger palette depending on the level you play. Does it exceed eight? Oh wait, it can exceed eight. There's eight. Does it exceed ten? <laughs> yeah, but it's not just colors though. The color master did a bunch of things. They triggered. Oh, that's true. They, they triggered the other. Screen. Yeah, they triggered other obstacles. Yeah, like they could make things upside down. They could. I want to say they could drop things in certain places. But they they could pretty much manipulate it besides the color, right? So I, I so, guess yeah. I guess it just boils down to how they do it on other systems because Xbox One and PS4 both have Runbow now. But do they have Color Master? I don't know. It might have been Wii U exclusive. I, mean, I like your idea that they do it like Jackbox, where you just plug in a website on your mobile browser. Yeah, because I mean, you t- I mean, you're, you're looking at the action on the TV, so you don't really need to see what's going on on the bottom. You could just it could just literally be icons that just trigger yeah. it. But I mean, Jackbox is a differently a different kind of game you're just doing multiple choice questions they're mm-hmm. answering things and then there can be latency for sure yeah and yeah. then it caters this one no has latency. to be super reactionary so. i mean we'll, we'll find out in due time either even without it, though it's still an excellent game and then that would mean you would have to have an online connection to do color right. master off tv mode if right which would be a little weird yeah, yeah. but yeah what, what i was trying to say is like uh regardless of if it's there or not the rest of the game super solid like we didn't even play color master all that much when we used to play um, I, I remember playing it a lot. Maybe I guess not with you, but I definitely really like that mode. It's good. It's yeah. definitely good. It was fun, but like I feel like we just did I mean, standard run bowing mostly. Yeah. Asymmetry all the way. Asymmetric all the way. Um, yeah. So one one we one more thing before we move on to first party switch news from the direct that uh, is kind of a major third party game that no one's really talking about, and honestly, it was just kind of glossed over in the direct itself. But it's actually kind of significant, and that is. The Switch is getting its first Moab game, Arena of Valor, which looks exactly like a League of Legends or Dota 2 knockoff, no denying that. But I was reading an article about it on US Gamer, and it turns out this game is very big in China. And by very big, I mean absolutely insanely huge. It's been out there for two years under the name of Honor of Kings, and over there, it's been downloaded over 200 million times on iOS and Android. That's a lot. It has since gone on to have what's now an average of 55 million active monthly players for perspective that is more than all of dota 2 dota 2 is at 12.5 million it's about half a league of legends which is at 100 million but still 55 million active i don't have that number (laughs) (laughs) but no uh 55 million actually i do have that number that's only like a million right now which is a huge deal it's like 1.2 million or something or no that's active concurrent players never mind i do not have a monthly number for you oh uh but yeah so my point is that's a lot of people that are playing this game that to us felt like nothing, but to the rest of the world, or to China in particular, is actually quite big. It is literally the most popular free-to-play mobile game on the planet. Wow. 55 million people. Another mobile game coming to... Yeah, it's another up of a mobile game. Um, but more than just that, 
its demographics sync up with Nintendo so well with Switch because the uh, the player base, like half of that player base, is under the age of twenty four, and it be- has become such an issue in China. The games become so popular and be so played that um, they actually the develop the publisher at Tencent had to force time limits on the game. So if you're under eighteen, you only can play it for two hours at a time, and if you're under twelve, that drops to one hour. Whoa. Like it was that big of a deal. That the, they had to implement that because of bad PR. Because so were they just like the so first much. to the market with a mobile style game? On I would iOS? assume so. Or I guess the first ones to the market that did it well. Yeah, I mean, because the game's only two years old, so they definitely weren't the first out there. But they're probably the first to have done it well for sure. Yeah, and and now that they're bringing it to Switch, whether or not you care about that genre, like Which think of really the reach. Cause, cause <laughs> I can't. I mean, I can only see that game working well with just touch control. So I guess your is better played on handheld mode. Because I don't really... I don't know. Like, those kind of games I feel like only really work well with mouse and keyboard. Like, as much yeah. as I like StarCraft now and would want to play it on the TV, mm-hmm. I feel like I can't do it without a mouse and keyboard. You need to drag over your units. You need to click around to get them to move to places, which is what this game is all about. I mean, I don't know unless they could do a... I guess a World of Goo style pointing. But even then, but... there's latency potentially. Yeah. Lag issues there. So I it's, don't know. It, yeah, it might be touch first. I mean, it is. it started as a touch screen game. I mean... You also, because it's a mobile game, it's like, oh, you could just get played on an iPad or something. Because it's obviously available there, but you, the draw would be to play it on the TV, I feel. Yeah, so they're going to have to figure that out. Maybe that's why they're doing a free beta test this winter. Actually, it's free no matter what. That's the other crazy thing about this. It's a free-to-play on Switch. One of two. But but before I get to that, I was going to say Reach. Like, yeah, I don't quite know. I don't quite get the genre. I don't quite... Like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I know people love it. I just don't quite... It doesn't click with me. But if there are 55 million people playing it, that's 55 million people that, even if it's a sliver, may be interested in a Switch. Like, the reach is not... It's like having Minecraft on Switch or Wii U. Or, or hey, even 3DS, as we saw in the Direct. But it, it's a smart move because it will attract kids because they'll be like, oh, I can play Mario and this and this and this and Arena of Valor. Or I can play Mario and this and this and this and Minecraft all on one device. Like, that, that's appealing both to the kid and their parent because it saves them money. So... Just having that many potential new Switch customers, obviously no, nowhere near all of them are going to jump over. But that that's that's a big move for Nintendo. That is big to get Arena of Valor. And and the uh, the other thing about Arena of Valor is worth noting. Did you know you could play as Batman and Wonder Woman? Apparently, in this weird fantasy world, they what? randomly threw in Batman and Wonder Woman. They got the rights from DC to make them special characters. Like movie verse Batman, or just like a just Batman? generic Batman? I don't know. Actually, I saw and, one screenshot. I don't know. Like movie verse like. Wonder Woman from this past one. Possibly. I mean, it would make sense. No, make no, Ben Affleck. Yeah. And whatever her name is. Uh, Gal Gadot. Oh, Gal Gadot. Yeah, I I don't know which ones they are. But to be able to now say the Switch is getting a Wonder Woman game in this current moment in time when Wonder Woman's super popular, it's a lie, somewhat. But you can still say it, technically. <laughs> it's not a lie. It's a, it's, a, it's a white lie. There we go. But yeah, it, it's just like, it's such a huge game. Like, to get on Switch is a big deal. And the other significant thing I already kind of said, but free-to-play on Switch. Switch has free-to-play. That's huge, kind of, right? Yeah. It yeah, is. it's. Uh, I mean, the beta is live this winter, and it'll be free to play. So I presume the full game will be free to play. I mean, the the in app purchases on iOS and Android could work on Switch through the eShop. There's no reason it couldn't. And it seems like Nintendo's all for this because, along with Arena of Valor, they also announced in the in the Japanese direct, not in our direct, just in the Japanese one, 
that Fantasy Star 2 Online Cloud, which is also free-to-play, will be coming to Japanese Switches at some point. And as the name implies, that one's a little more interesting because more so than just Arena of Valor, Fantasy Star Online 2 Cloud is streaming from the cloud. The entire game's in the cloud, and it's just being sent to your system, which I believe is another first for the Switch, cloud gaming. So two of the games that got buried at the bomb of the director and, and the bomb of people's minds ended up being some of the more, I wouldn't say revolutionary, but the more interesting new things happening on Switch than, say, a Doom or a Skyrim or a Resident Evil or whatever. Yeah, apparently Joker's also in it. Oh, is he? Yeah. And it is just a generic Batman. Yeah, I told, I told you it didn't look like anyone specific. Or I didn't think it looked like anyone specific. Hmm. But, so but yeah. Cool, so. I mean, he looks cool. Like, definitely makes the game look more... It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. Because it's, like, all fantasy-themed, and it's like, I'm Batman. Well, I mean, they all... I mean, they match, like, the art style. Well, yeah, but... But, but it's not like he's wearing, like, 1500s garb. He's still Batman. Wonder Woman's a better fit, because her outfit kind of makes sense. But Batman's very modern-looking, relatively speaking. So, just just kind of fight. But, yeah, Fantasy Star. Have you ever... Did, do, do you ever play Fantasy Star on GameCube? I played it on PSP. That counts, I guess. What did you think of it? Because I only played it at a friend's house when they had Fantasy Star Online GameCube and you had to have the LAN adapter you had to buy and it was the only game that ever was online on GameCube. But I thought it was pretty fun. What did you think? It's funny. that that's, that's I remember really enjoying that game without ever really knowing what I was ever doing. Yeah, that like, was me at my friend's house. Like, I pretty much just like um, going online, um, just attacking monsters, shooting them, but never really knowing. Like I never really made any progress. I just remember... Like just playing the game yeah. as a that was a me and my very friend. basic game. Like I was always like, I always wanted to get um the GameCube version or like maybe like oh like okay maybe I should try to play it more seriously. I actually progress the story, but that never happened. So it's yeah. funny because like even when I didn't know what I was doing, it was still really fun. I mean, it's just kind of this actiony over like behind the back third person RPG with some like light sci fi elements, but it's really fun. It is. So yeah. I'm kind of intrigued about uh, Cloud. Like, if Fantasy Star Online 2 Cloud were to come to the States, I would, for, as a free-to-play, I would definitely check it out. Yeah, like, I would definitely check it out. That nostalgic value there. Um, I'm just amazed that, like, I was watching footage of the Wii U, or, sorry, the Switch version, which, granted, it's only, like, 40 seconds long, but it's insane that's all streaming from the cloud. It's, like, full 3D, behind the back, exactly the same as PlayStation, or not, yeah, PlayStation Portable and GameCube, just... You know, looks a little better because it's modern era, and it's streaming presumably with very little lag. I know cloud gaming, like on cloud and stuff, exists, and PlayStation does it and whatnot. But like, kind of crazy to see it on a Nintendo system. Yeah, wasn't there a company Rain something? There are a few. Yeah, that was like they got bought out. Yeah, they were. I forgot what they were showing. They were just they just kept like oh Arkham. They kept like showing Arkham Knight. Yeah, Nvidia does it actually with the Shield TV, which uses a similar chipset, not the same as the Switch. So I guess that's why the Switch is able to do it. Now that I think about it. But, um, yeah, they've had streaming to the Shield TV for a while. You can stream from your PC across the room. You can stream across the internet from a server somewhere. It's all there. You can, like, rent games. Hmm. And PlayStation has a similar thing with... Uh, yeah, PlayStation Now. Yeah, PlayStation Now. So the text there is just kind of crazy to see it on Switch. And and basically what we're seeing here is with the likes of Arena of Valor and Fantasy Star, and really the Direct as a whole, is that Nintendo's welcoming basically every type of game from third parties at this point. Like, free-to-play, mobile, cloud-based, console, HD 2D, Nazi shooting, too big for a cartridge, the right size for a cartridge, too small for a cartridge. Whatever it is, Nintendo's taking it. They want everything, which is 100% exactly the right thing for them to do to ensure a strong Switch library. So, props to Nintendo for that. Like, they finally get it. 
don't put limitations don't put weird things just accept everything and you will get good things because if people want the games if the games are there it'll lead to more games so it is it, that was kind of my big takeaway from the direct is nintendo finally gets it which is kind of nice to see uh of course the other right thing to do for a system is to have good first party games and nintendo obviously has been delivering on that uh much to my surprise this direct actually had a few surprises from nintendo itself as well on the first party front um although smaller i mean we kind of we, we mentioned it in passing before but there was snipper clips plus which uh, is actually one of my favorite announcements from the Direct because here's the thing about Snipper Clips. It's a really awesome concept and one of, at least I think, the hidden gems of the Switch launch and just the Switch library in general. And I really enjoyed playing through it with my dad. Um, I sort of just roped him in and just like, hey, I want to try like, tabletop mode on Switch here, take a Joy-Con, let's do it. And we played through a good chunk of it and we're actually going to go back and finish it now that um, what? Now You're going to go back and finish out. it? Yeah. He, it, it's funny because the reason we're doing that is this update, Snipper Clips Plus, comes out on his birthday. And I'm like, well, that's Nintendo's gift. We kind of have to do it now. And he's like, all right. So we're going to go back and fish in time for Plus, which comes out November 10th. And what Plus gives you is 30 new stages across two new worlds, one comic book themed, one toy box themed. Um, and they're adding the ability also to existing stages to go back in like a harder mode where your character looks physically different. The physics are actually different, so when you start cutting each other out and stuff and interacting with the environment, it's like a whole different physics puzzle now. Yeah, so basically before you always started as two... Half circles. Yeah, two yeah. half circles with a flat edge, and now you can start as a flower or as a triangle. And, or as a pine tree. There's a pine and tree. And you just now. have to figure out how to cut each other now. Yeah, so it's like almost a whole other game at that point. Like It doesn't matter that you played the levels before. It's the, the It's all about physics and about like the kind of geometry of everything so if the geometry changes that changes how things interact with you that changes literally everything they could have just done that and called it snipper clips plus and honestly what would have seemed like not much it would have been literally double the content so the fact that they're now doing 30 more stages is cool and they're promising um other stuff too like new activities and a stamp sheet i have no idea what a stamp sheet is i assume it's like me versus their achievement system yeah i'm guessing you could probably put them on screenshots and then send those out through like the switches uh capture mode but I don't know. It reminds me a little of Miiverse, which, as we know, is now dead. So or dying. It'll be dead by the time this comes out, actually. But yeah, I mean, what would that? Did you ever beat? I don't remember. Did you beat Snipper Clips Boy? Yeah, Elvis and I love that game. But I mean, we're definitely gonna get this one. Yeah. But I couldn't help but be underwhelmed when it was announced. Really? I don't know. I guess because I mean, it came out of nowhere. You should have just been happy it existed. <laughs> what, what underwhelmed you? What was missing? I guess because we played um, the first Clips a lot, uh, at this point I would have... Rather have a sequel. I would rather have like a full sequel of new things, but now it just feels like, oh, I guess I have to go back to that game again. I don't well, know why. Well, I mean, you, it's a really you sort person... of don't. No. Because you, you can either go get the physical copy, which is the same game again, plus the new stuff, or you could just download the DLC, no. and the only going back is clicking the icon, and then everything else is new. Yeah, I don't know. I guess um, I already had my mind like, all right, this game is done, it's beat, uh, I just... Give me like a full on sequel. Do you need like new stuff? party modes? Does that help? Because I, I assume know. new activities means new party modes, which were kind of those are the weakest link of the game, but they were pretty fun in their own right. The like the little basketball game and whatnot. And then, well. <laughs> no new party modes. You don't need new party modes. <laughs> the party modes that were already there. The only one, I don't know. Cause that's the thing. They were fun for like a minute. That's what I'm saying. They were the weakest link, but yeah, they were, I I had fun with them for a bit. But also, I don't the know what they link. could do. I guess um. Just like completely new levels instead of just two whole new worlds, just the same number of new worlds and so four, four, yeah, and just double it. 
So 50% is not good enough. You need to go 100. Basically. All right. That's fair. Yeah. But I mean, I for, mean, I'm not like down on it. I mean, I'm still going to get it. I'm sure it'll be fun. But I mean, as far as it's like, if I was excited about it, it was just like, it was like whatever. Because sure. it's, cause it's like, all right, I mean, I'm not going to get it. It's, I already know exactly what it is. It's not a mystery. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, no, I get that. It's just kind of like, but, I suspect them making a physical copy and putting it in stores like this is the path to get a sequel. It could have probably gotten a sequel yeah, without I mean, it. Not... It's downloaded decently, but this is the exposure it needs to make it a bigger thing. So yeah, ultimately, I mean, like, I'm agreeing with like everything that they're doing. It's yeah. just me personally. Yeah. No, that's fair. I'm just not hyped about it. That's fair. I'm, I'm excited for it, but which is weird because like of all the things that the direct, like it was Doom and Snipper Clips were my like, two. Like the other thing Nintendo announced, I'm actually weirdly not too hyped about, and that is, um, I think for the first time ever, they're doing this a re-release of their old arcade games. I couldn't tell why you weren't hyped about it. It's it's kind of yeah, like it's cool what they're doing. They're teaming up with Hamster, who normally uh, does the Neo Geo games on the eShop, and they're basically extending Hamster's arcade uh, archives brand to include old Nintendo arcade games from way back in the like day when you know they were still in arcades and had games coming out concurrently with their NES versions. And the arcade versions are almost always different in some way, like versus Punch Out, for example. That's where Wireframe Lil Mac comes from. He was not in real Punch-Out. He was in Versus Punch-Out. So, like, stuff like that's kind of cool. So, as, as, like, a Nintendo history lesson, it's really cool to see him bring him over. But some of the changes are so negligible. That's just, like, I don't think come September 27th I will be bar- buying Arcade Archives Mario Bros. Because I have, like, seven copies of that game in every Mario Advance that was ever released. Yeah, on I mean, if I get any, it would probably just be the inevitable Donkey Kong one. That's not – and you know what's funny? That one's not even announced. I know. That's, like, that's the inevitable, but the, – The list is so weird. I mean – I don't know. Um, Joust. I don't know. A lot of them are just. Joust is not them either. It wasn't. I it was no, that's Midway. Here's what's here. Oh, what's either coming. way. Well, Ice were Climber. Thinking, were you thinking Clue Clue Land or, or Balloon Fight? You're thinking Balloon Fight. Oh, I guess it was Balloon Yeah. Fight. It's basically Joust. It's, yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah, but the, the list is uh, versus Super Mario, uh, Super Mario Bros. Versus Balloon Fight. Versus Ice Climber. Versus Clue Clue Land. Versus Punch Out. And versus Pinball. I didn't even know Nintendo made a competitive pinball arcade game. I had pinball on the e-reader, like you swipe the cards to get the old NES game, and I'd swipe eight cards and play pinball one time and be like, Pokemon pinball's better. But now you can play competitive pinball without the card swiping. So I guess that's a step up for someone somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This whole thing, like, it's really cool. It's like a history lesson, but I don't see why mm-hmm. you would spend like, 750 for it, for each one. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's there. I mean, that's yeah, like it's it's a 750. It's not gonna number. hurt the console in any way, so that's fine. Yeah, the I mean, if anything, for those who want it, it's there. The, I mean, if anything, it probably I wouldn't be surprised if this upset a lot of people. It's like, wait, this is their virtual console? Like, just people that were expecting any yeah. kind of virtual console announcement, and then you get this, which is like definitely not what you want. There's like two weird things about this. First is the 750 price point, which, by the way, just and to if be, we haven't heard anything about their virtual console plan. We have. The... It's it's with the Nintendo Online. No, I mean, anything that more. That is their virtual that. console plan for the time being. They're just not saying it. No, I know, but we just haven't heard anything beyond that. Like, right, because I think they're waiting to see how that goes. I think they don't have a plan. Their plan is two-prong. Their plan, now three-prong. Basically, I think what's happening is they're taking the virtual console and they're divvying it up. Do you want, like, let's use Super Mario Brothers. That's on all three of these services, right? So, if you want to play Super Mario Brothers Pixel Perfect Recreation, go find yourself an NES Classic. If you want to play Super Mario Brothers, um on your switch and on and you're a member of nintendo switch online when it comes out next year as a premium service great you have access to it 
congrats. If you want to play Super Mario Brothers, but you don't want to pay for Nintendo Switch, well, hey, you can do or Nintendo Switch Online. Well, hey, you can do um, the the VS version from the arcade, which is basically the same. And then for those completionists and diehards who want all of them, guess what? You can now pay triple to get it everywhere you want, and each one is slightly different. Because the Mario one on uh, Virtual Console, uh, Nintendo Streaming Service, in theory, will be the NES will, one. Will be the NES one, but and maybe not Mario is the best example. But all those NES games will have online multiplayer. That support multiplayer will now have online multiplayer, or you can play it with just local and the pixel perfect emulation on the NES Classic, or you can play the weird alternate version on arcade. I think that's ultimately what they're doing. They're gonna see which one works best. Some obviously, I don't think N sixty four or GameCube will ever have this scenario because. They aren't going to stream you free N64 and GameCube games through online through Switch no, no. Online. It would but... be a dream to have N64 Smash Bros. with online or yeah. N64 Mario. So maybe they will do N64. GameCube's the one they probably won't ever do. But but I think that's the route we're going right now. Nintendo's kind of spreading it out, seeing what works. Because Virtual Console is great, but they can make so much more money and reach such a bigger audience if they do it this style. And just make people triple dip if they really care to get every like all the completionists out there. So Now, I'm not a big fan of the 750 price. To be fair, the 750 price isn't official yet. That's why I kept trying to circle back to that because it's not official. All we know is in Europe, it's 629 euros, which translates to about 750, which seems high to me, like very high. NES games on the Wii U Virtual Console are five bucks a pop. The only thing I could think of that explains why these are that much more for usually less content because the arcade games are smaller because, you know, they're in arcades. You don't own them is... uh, Perhaps hamsters trying to make just arcade archives as a brand equally priced, because seven fifty round that up to eight. That's the exact price of every Neo Geo game they can get on the Switch eShop here in the states. Doesn't matter what the game is, all of them are eight dollars. So if they're trying to make arcade archives eight dollars flat, that's why these arcade Nintendo games are now eight dollars. Hmm. That's my theory, but we'll, we'll see how it pans out for Nintendo. Um, yeah, it's just it's just kind of it's a really cool concept. I just don't know. Like for three bucks or two bucks, I might consider it, but I don't know about eight. So. And even then, it's just considering it. You didn't exactly. really say he would dive right in. Exactly. Now, one game I will for sure dive right into, as I think anyone listening to this show will, is Mario Odyssey. Um, we need to talk about Mario Odyssey. I mean, specifically, we need to talk about Mario's nipples. Well, I mean, we don't. Do we? We don't need to talk about Mario's nipples. We just need to talk <laughs> about the reaction to Mario's nipples. And why is everyone freaking out about Mario's nipples? Yeah, honestly, when I saw the trailer, I did not even think twice about it. I just neither did I. I and then I went it. on and Twitter. Then, yeah, and then after a while, like, go Nintendo posted thing like, oh. Doesn't react to Mario's nipples, and it's like the biggest thing ever. And I'm like, oh, well, of course it's the internet. But but why are they reacting to Mario's nipple? Is it because Link doesn't have nipples in Breath of the Wild when you take off his shirt? Because that's weirder. If they're both supposed to, be, I mean, you could argue he's an elf, so maybe elves don't have nipples. But that's weirder, right? Or are people now realizing that like all the time he's been running and jumping, he's been chafing under his shirt? Is that the concern? That was what my boss's theory was at work. That's why people are freaking out. I don't really know, but. The things people it's care about. just so strange like he's a human of course he has nipples humans have nipples that's how it works that's anatomy i would say the bigger question the bigger concern is why does he not have a chest hair he's an italian plumber there's no way just genetically speaking he does not have a chest maybe he uh, manscapes i don't know mm. but that's that's i don't want to think about that with mario maybe that's why people are freaking out i don't know oh and you know actually maybe that's why he's no longer a plumber nintendo needed to explain his bare chest you know, they, he's no longer a plumber. You saw that whole brouhaha? Like, I mean, anyone thought he still was? So, Nintendo used to always say Mario's a plumber. Yeah, but I mean... And now they say I was, I was he th- used to be a plumber. I always thought of him as, like, he was a plumber in the first Mario Brothers game, but... Really? 
Whoa, I always consider... And then and he then, went and, on. And then after that, he's just Mario, whatever he needs to be. He's a racer. He's a blah, blah, blah. I thought he was a plumber by day and all this other stuff in his spare time. No, like, I thought I was like, oh... That's silly to think. Well, no, well you're, you're silly. No, <laughs> I, I think my theory was, one, the man had nipples, and two, he was a plumber except when he was on call to save the princess or do something like he, he fell back to being a plumber when nothing was going on like if there wasn't a race that day or if he wasn't in a tennis tournament or maybe he wasn't fighting off viruses as a doctor all respectable trades right but when he's not doing that he falls back on fixing pipes because deep down that's what he loves that was my theory that's what i thought because they always call him a plumber turns out he's a former plumber so you were right i was wrong but i don't know if i accept that as quickly as i accept his nipples i mean also saying i accept his nipples is a strange comment i never realized <laughs> so Regardless, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I, I will say it was the internet. It's definitely, was, it's definitely something not that anyone should get hung up on. I don't know if they're hung up. It's just the internet really freaked. I mean, there that, was that's definitely getting hung up on it. Yeah, you're right. But it, uh, yeah, no other way to say it. It was like a collective meltdown online. It was some brand company that does analytic data, Brandwatch, I think, did a breakdown of the nipples and twenty seven thousand tweets about it. Four thousand in a single hour was the peak. That's and one of the most that... commonly associated words with uh, his nipples, good. That's one of the most commonly associated words. Also weird, also chest hair. So it's take that, that you... knowledge and do nothing it's with it. It's crazy that you definitely see a lot of stuff like this more with any Nintendo property. It's like... Like, it's whether it's Splatoon or ARMS or, like, Twin Tower, like, any character that, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, just gets announced. They're always the center of attention on Twitter, everything. They're sometimes trending. But I almost never hear anything about... Like the Overwatch Master characters. Or... Well, Overwatch does come close. Well, Master Chief has never like, showed his nipples. Like, like a lot of people really like them. When, what's your name? Oh, that's right. The um, one they just announced recently. No, no, no. You think Doomfist. I mean, people did like Doomfist. But, um... That's what I thought you were going to say. I can't remember her name. It's some girl that, like, hacks everything. And on her reveal trailer, she boops someone in the nose with her finger. And people just really, really love that. And uh, just, like, boop. People. The internet's a weird place. Yeah. I mean, Nipplegate used to be about Super Bowl. Now it's about Mario. So here we are. Welcome to 2017, everyone. But beyond the nipples, there's a lot more going on here with Mario Odyssey. Um, if you want a full breakdown of everything about Odyssey, we're not going to give it to you. You could just go watch the direct. Like, there's no Same with Xenoblade. I mean, Xenoblade looks great, but I don't really have an opinion. It's just kind of like it's there. So go watch the direct if you care. But why well, am... <laughs> I'm going to assume you watch the direct if you're listening to us. Oh, I don't man. know what I'm telling you. The... I mean, I thought they kind of spent way too much time talking about Xenoblade. Oh, Xenoblade but... went on, but the landlord joke was peak Nintendo. That was <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Just like, that was top notch. Like, oh, I am his grandfather. I'm the dragon. I'm also a titan, but not really because I'm tiny. But I don't, don't let my size fool yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. The, the narration was. Oh, see that that that's he lives in me or something. I'm like his foster dad, but he calls me Gramps. You can call me that too. I don't know. You forgot mm-hmm. the best part. So in Xenoblade. People live on the backs of Titans, so Gramps is also his the landlord. Yeah, yeah, he laughed yeah. at it too. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It, that, the narration for the Xenoblade segment was great, but then it went on about three times longer than necessary. Like it's really cool for people that are into Xenoblade, but I don't understand how Xenoblade got longer time than any other game in the direct. I yeah. guess because we know the least about it. It felt like the Mario Kart. I mean, well, I guess Mario Kart had their own direct, so I mean, it makes sense. But it, I wish it kind of didn't. Yeah. I mean, this almost felt like it could have been its own, like, here, like, tune in for our, like, Xenoblade Direct coming up, and they could have just shown that part, and that would have been a satisfyingly long... Yeah, because that, that's, like, ten minutes. Yeah, like, yeah. like the Splatoon one, like, or even... Yeah, those are it's, usually it's that It's literally long. what Didn't made... Did Bayonetta have, like, a 12-minute long did. Direct? yeah. 
It's literally in one for one one had like an eight minute one where they kept repeating September. Oh yeah, what was the it? Date? September twenty ninth, September tenth, tenth. Yeah, but um, yeah, like Xenoblade looks fine. Mario looks great. There's not much to say on that front, but there are two things about Mario worth noting beyond like that we actually have thoughts on. First up, there's a bundle on October twenty seventh when Mario Odyssey comes out. There is the option to get the system with the game as download code with a Mario Odyssey carrying case with new Joy-Con colors. Just They're not neon red. For the first time. Not neon. Yeah. And it, it's interesting to... S- they look so dull compared to They kind of do. Red, yeah. It's interesting to see... Like, they look like the type... If I were to get red Joy-Cons, it'd be those. Because, like, I have the gray Switch. I'm obviously a very mundane, boring person who likes my non-neon colors. So if I were to be like, I'm gonna... I'm feeling like red today, I'd probably get Mario... Deep, like, Mario red not like blinding icy machine cotton candy red which is basically pink yeah but that's just me but it is interesting to see that like nintendo seems to be leaning in so hard on this custom switch color configuration yeah, idea even that pro controller for xenoblade yeah what yeah. is up with that can we discuss that for a minute actually i totally forgot about that i don't even have it on our outline but okay so you make pro controllers for splatoon right and the pro controller for splatoon one size green one size pink great you then make a Xenoblade Pro Controller. Also great. Good for you. You also have a special edition. Looks really cool if you're into the game. 220-page art book. Awesome. But why are they reusing the pink halves of the Splatoon controller on the Xenoblade controller for the grips? They still have a different face on it. Like, the actual black plastic's different. But what does that shade of pink have to do with Xenoblade? Nothing in the game's marketing is that shade of pink. It's literally the Splatoon pink just moved over to another console. It's really – or controller. It just struck me as really weird. And it's not even like they ran out, they had extra pink left over, because you have the same number of pink and green, because it's one of each on the controllers. Like, what was that? Why are they, why is it pink? I don't understand. I didn't think it was pink. Isn't I, it? I, I thought it just matched the the outfit color of the girl or something. Is that, I, see, I thought they were trying to, now we're both looking it up. I seem to remember it being pink. I mean, maybe, but either way. This is some riveting podcasting. It's it, 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 silently it, type Xenoblade <laughs> Pro Controller into Google. It definitely seems to bother you a lot. No, I just thought it was really weird because I'm like, this doesn't feel like it's custom to the game. It feels like they're reusing accessories. And the only reason I thought it was weird... Yeah, check it out. Here's it's the box. It's like dark red. No, it's not. Actually, well, I guess it's it pink. is pink. Well, I guess the box I'm looking at, it makes it look... Well, here it is with the... Pink. Here's the uh, Switch box with the Switch... It's like salmon. Oh, yeah, yeah. So maybe it is slightly darker than... It might actually be slightly huh, the darker. The entire back is that color. Is it? Apparently. Look at this, people that you can't. That almost makes it cooler. Huh. Is it supposed to be the red of the Xenoblade 2? No, it's lighter. Now, what's interesting is here's the Splatoon one. Everyone that can't see the Splatoon one I'm showing him, the it's the same shade of pink. It is. Yeah, it's really bizarre. Did they run out of other ink or uh, paint colors? Well, like, I, don't... I don't know. I guess maybe they want people to remember the Monado, and it's kind of that color. Yeah, maybe it is supposed to be the Monado. I will say the little like X they have over across the front yeah, and, and also that green other looks really nice. and that lower third right of the yeah. Pro Controller is also interesting, which basically guarantees that I need to not buy a Pro Controller until Smash comes out. <laughs> yeah, because I mean be the second one. one. Yeah. But yeah, it it is regardless of my rant about Xenoblade. It, well, it is kind of cool to see Nintendo lean in on this custom Switch controller thing so much. Like they they seem to understand that people are buying Switches and then want to make theirs unique with different controller options. Like one guy might want neon green on one side, and or arms yellow, I mean, on one side, and then like Splatoon. Oh yeah, there's green, green on one side, yellow on the other. Someone else might want blue on one side, green on the other. 
And then on top of that, you have the wrist straps that you can slot on and off that also come in multiple colors. And Nintendo actually opened a part of the Switch website. If you go to nintendo.com slash Switch, there's now a color configurator where they show you every available combination of Joy-Cons, wrist straps, and Switches. Well, the Switches all look the same. And so you can mix and match, and they tell you exactly where to buy each one because some are available in some places, some are available, some some are available with places. the console. Some require getting a new console for now. I'm hoping – I think they made a comment that the Mario Joy-Cons – won't only be in the bundle. It sounds like they said they're going to come out later date as a separate thing. If that's true, that also probably means Splatoon's will at some point here in the States. We're the only country or the only uh, region that doesn't have it independent at the moment. Yeah, I wonder how but, long it'll take them. I mean, I guess I could always just get them in Japan. Yeah, I, it'll probably be before then, I'd imagine, because you're not going until, what, end of December? Yeah. Yeah. But either way, it's kind of kind of neat to see that Nintendo's actually doing that and leaning in on it so hard and... Like they realize very quickly the potential here, and it, it's also way better than custom Switch units. Imagine how expensive that would get. Like this is like the perfect workaround. You just make custom too. Switch docks instead of docks. Yeah, docks would probably be next if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. I bet you Smash would be one of the first games to get a dock if any of them did, because mm-hmm. you probably were playing it on TV most often for esports and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just put the Smash logo where the Switch logo is on the front. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. They're just have, like I mean, that. just like the Monster Hunter one where they just have the emblem on the back. Yeah. of the screen, but yeah. Anyway, Mario. Yeah, as for Mario Odyssey itself, um, man, it looks good. <laughs> like I, not just in terms of like sheer variety of activities, like becoming a, a gliding salamander yeah, looking I feel dude. Bad for all three D platformers coming out. Yeah, um, I feel bad for Poi. Anything that coming out? One we mentioned before, no one's heard of. No one's gonna hear of it. It comes out literally the week before. Yeah, or week any, of. anything coming out of Mario Odyssey or directly after Mario Odyssey. Yeah, it's just there's it's so much a, variety. It's almost a good thing ukulele is delayed until who knows when. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what happened to ukulele. It missed the Nindy showcase. It missed the direct. It's just gone. But yeah, it it deserves a little breathing room because like there's no way it's got the sheer variety. I mean, not to mention say. you haven't played it and you paid for this thing on Kickstarter. Well, right I now. bought the Switch for I paid for the Switch version. So yeah, well, you paid for the I Wii paid for the version. Wii version, which became the Switch version, which I prefer anyway. So it's okay. But yeah, the, but yeah, Mario. It's just like not just the variety, but also graphically. Like, have you seen those side-by-side screenshots of the E3 build, the one we've played at various events, and the final one that was in the Direct? Like, mm-hmm. everything looks noticeably better. Like, they took a lot of time to be able to go back and polish and everything. Xenoblade saw a similar transition, but it actually went the other way. It got simpler looking. Like, the car- it got more cartoony almost. But Mario, they, like, went way in there with the details and stuff. It's it's impressive. Also, Koopa Troopa foot races are back. That's great. Yeah, which, I, makes it, which makes me only more excited for... How much your Prime Four could look? Because I mean, the game I already thought looked amazing on the Wii U and even on the GameCube. Mm-hmm. So uh, I can only imagine what it could do on the Switch. But I yeah. know, yeah, just the Wii. So it didn't even have a Wii U version. So we don't even know what its true potential could be yet, which is just nuts. But yeah, anyway, Mario. It's, yeah, it's it's it bodes well for every Nintendo release going forward. I think like this is like yeah. their their Halo like, game. Even new, not Halo like Halo, but Halo like even a new Halo. Donkey Kong could look. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, can you imagine like I mean, tropical freeze? I mean, they would never. Even, I mean, they would that. never make it look photorealistic, but no, no. But yeah. they could do a lot with the fur effects and whatnot. Yeah. But anyway, the thing I actually want to bring up is something we sort of you tried to bring up at the start of the show, and I shot you down. <laughs> now, now you bring it up, which is the um something the sharing mode. It's they're doing a thing where you used to be able to just you know capture screenshot on Switch, but in this one, it's called snapshot mode. It's gonna be a key feature of the game now, and you snapshot you have full 360 degree camera control you can frame it however you want you can slap a logo on it you can apply a filter to it you can even turn it vertical for smartphones 
and then you take the picture and then you put it on social media and then you use it as a wallpaper and it's literally a meme maker inside Mario Odyssey and this isn't exactly new for Nintendo. I think the first time they really sort of leveraged this idea was back in uh, Wind Waker HD on the Wii U where they had the picto box where you could take selfies as Link and you could change his expression and that led to my joke that was in Stolen and turned into its own parody Twitter account, Linkstagram. I'm, yeah, I'm still annoyed about that, but it was my joke. No, it's it's fine. But, um, yeah, then came the Switch screenshot tool, of course, which went a little more into meme territory by letting you put a block of text meme style on your image. had, like, a little photo mode where you could, like, take pictures, like, hanging out with your squid friend. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that one. And Breath of the Wild had another selfie mode, which kind of took the... One Waker one, I guess, a step further. Yeah, it's basically like you had a drone camera, sorry, yeah. like a drone selfie, selfie drone. But yeah, and now we have Mario Odyssey, which is definitely a big step up in terms of really making images custom for sharing. Yeah, and you can totally have like jokes. a team of people just focus on like how can we make the picture taking experience better. Seriously, like the amount of effort that went to this thing is crazy. And if you couple which it, both well for how I can only imagine Smash Brothers will do it because they've always had a free range camera whenever oh, yeah. you pause the screen. Like they yeah. they were all about like zooming in and out, getting cool. Like freeze frames. I mean, they had their entire marketing was like revealing a picture a day. Everything was revealed through images. So right. I h- would hope they would go all out, even if it's a port. Like just kind of leverage that. Well, Smash has one disadvantage. It doesn't have unlimited costumes in the way that Mario Odyssey does. Like I guarantee this costume thing, as much as it's a throwback for fans, like oh look, he's Doctor Mario. Oh look, he's the crazy scientist Mario from that one Japanese commercial from 1991. Like they have all those, but I guarantee stuff like shirtless Mario and that sort of thing, they kind of knew. They no, kind of knew what they were setting up yeah. here. No one cared about Shulk. Yeah, no one cared. Well, Shulk was a meme for a while, too. No, no as I said, they had shirtless Shulk in Smash oh, Brothers. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's like it's just kind of interesting to watch the evolution from like of Nintendo embracing memes. I mean, from like Wind Waker HG's Pictobox to Splatoon to the meme maker on Switch to now... I mean, to just... This. Meverse in general. Meverse in general. Yeah, and then if you... When everything was William Dafoe... Oh yeah, and then the water stuff, all the jokes about water. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it. This specific thing is a hundred percent meme ready. Like it's essentially free viral marketing for Nintendo, and you know even stuff like the Death Stare, Luigi's Death Stare, Mario Kart Eight went viral. And now Nintendo's like, oh wait a minute, why don't we just leverage that to our full potential and we get this cool little mode that is as much marketing as it is fun for us? Like it's already happening with the nipples. It always comes back to Mario's nipples basically so like that's that's where we are now and the downside is at least for me um and you know this well angel i i overthink taking photos and making the perfect image i mean if anyone like my instagram like each of those posts is like a small i don't ruin trips i just make them worse but a small a small it's like we're going chunk of my life oh jason's coming oh man let me do like actually i don't really instagram disney very much at all no yeah but you still stop to take pictures though doesn't really matter not that often Pretty often. Oh, a handful. Only the first few times. Regardless, though, <laughs> it's going to be a problem with Mario Odyssey because um, I already don't progress in my games enough as I should, and now I'm going to be stopping and taking pictures every five seconds. So I guess I guess I'm just going to never play the game. So. Oh, what a surprise! Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 kind of dreading the the photo mode, yet I also can't wait for it. Hmm. Is kind of where I'm at. And actually, speaking of things that you can't wait for, but also kind of fill you with dread, how about that arms update? Can't wait for. <laughs> Because you, allow me to explain, you feel like ARMS had more potential than it was at. And then I told you about custom controls, you're like, oh, whoa, and you're kind of excited for it. And now it's out, and the impression I got based on your initial, like, one-word response to me in a text was, or phone call, I think, was just like, 
it didn't deliver. So I mean, it's not that it didn't deliver. It's just that didn't do enough. Maybe. It just made me regret getting the game early. I mean, I don't wait. What? I mean, getting the game early, getting the game on launch. Like pretty much, it just kept confirming my. Wait, so it's good that it's there now. You're happy with it. You're just sad that you didn't have it sooner. Yeah. I, well, I'm just sad that I didn't have it when I first got it. Is what I'm saying. Uh, okay. Because um. I guess because I played the game enough that I got used to the default controls. When I remapped the shield button and the other buttons to what I thought would be better, like I just couldn't really do. My muscle memory was already like too ingrained in how it was. Oh uh, yeah. And yeah, other than that, I mean, Lola Pop is fun. Bouncing around with her is fun. The shield mechanic is fun. Just being able to move around. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess it didn't really change anything about how I felt about the game. It still felt like underbaked. It still feels Which is like... interesting because Nintendo's been hyping this version 3 thing. Like, it's like a huge change. Like, they released it in tandem with the Direct. I mean, they used the Direct to push it, and yet I mean, it's like, kind of whatever. Like, control mapping, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, the shield was literally the only thing that I felt like was in a niffy spot. Mm-hmm. And now that I've kind of gotten used to it, it's like, well, I guess it's not really better on one of the shoulders. Right. And, yeah, so it was pretty much like, okay, we got one new character, but... It's... And one button changed. <laughs> yeah so in the end i was like yeah there's still very little to do in the game hmm. I mean, like unless you're trying to play it competitively like there's no reason to play it. and i guess it just doesn't it still hasn't scratched that itch for me to want to play like I, every time i boot it up mm-hmm. i always end up playing smash brothers less than 10 minutes later How, that's not a different system i know <laughs> that, that that that's like me you consciously going like no off Smash, yes, on. Because <laughs> pretty much, like, I'll play through, like, um like part of the the single-player campaign as Lollipop. And then I'm like, I would just rather be playing Smash Brothers right now. So then I'll just switch to Smash Brothers. Huh. And then I'll play again, and I'm like, all right, this is cool, this is fun. And then... You switch to Smash Brothers. Yeah, like, I'd just rather be playing Smash Brothers. Interesting. It's it's honestly the same thing with Pokemon Tournament. Like, I enjoy the game for a few minutes, and then I just go back to Smash Brothers. So perhaps... None of them... Perhaps I, the issues aren't the games. Perhaps the issue is Smash... Or those games being bad, so Smash Brothers no, is too no, good. No, yeah, those games definitely <laughs> aren't bad. They're yeah. just... Well, not, yeah, we never really said they were bad. We talked about both on the show, and yeah, we both I, liked them. Yeah, I mean, ARMS is definitely not bad. It just needs... More. Even more. I just needed more characters to begin with, I guess. I don't know. It, it just felt like... The pool was too small. Do you need them to do this platoon approach? Because another thing that came up in the direct was they had, they're like new maps and new weapons in platoon, and it's like you know every week we get them and they're doing a big yeah, push but, there. But do you the, need like weekly characters, bi-weekly characters, at least for a little while? I guess so, but I mean the thing with like platoon is that it already had a lot of content, or well, yeah, or at least what I felt enough content to keep me entertained for a while. And the updates they do every week, I mean, they're they, much smaller. They could almost be negligible. Like, yeah. sure, they released today or yesterday, as of this recording, a a glitterized like gun. Which, I mean, uh, I forgot what the blaster, I forgot what it was called. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that's cool. But, I mean, I don't really like using that specific kind of blaster. So, it may as well not have even been announced. As far as I'm concerned. I mean, that's Well, just... unless you have to face it, face it and they're like, oh, I'm facing a glittery version of the thing I faced before. Yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, all doesn't, that, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't really change too much. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's cool that supporting it and it does make it like, well, maybe I'll experiment later. Right. But with ARMS, um, yeah, it's just... That's a bummer. They just ranked and... Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, just, I haven't yet tried it. So I don't really it just hasn't really gelled with me yet. The it, it keeps coming back to the fact that I guess I can't enjoy the the core mechanic of the game of shooting your arms out as much as Smash. a traditional fighter that would right. want to. Right. Or I mean, not even I shouldn't even be saying that. I shouldn't be comparing it to another fighter. I guess I just didn't con- enjoy that mechanic as much to keep me engaged. Is what I should say. Right. 
for well no i mean all games don't no game lives in a bubble people will make comparisons it's fair to make that comparison they're both nintendo fighters they're very different but like at the end of the day, it's like, you know, if you see a horror movie, you're going to no, compare no, no, it to yeah, other horror right, movies. Right. I guess it comes down to, like, I want to invest my time in this game, but at the end of the day... You just can't. I just can't. I'd rather just, in, I'd rather just invest it in Smash Brothers. Sorry, Nintendo. Version 3 wasn't enough. Yeah, and because of that, <laughs> it's like, oh, I should have just waited until, like, after Black Friday or something to get it once the... Everything was there. Yeah, because... Well, I mean, everything is not even there yet, but at least the controller mapping, so I could have been used to... Right. I could have gotten my muscle memory used to a controller setting that's better but now right. it is better. i mean not every not everything can be a winner in the direct so or in nintendo in general so it's not like there's anything yeah. bad about this it's just how you feel yeah usually every like new ip nintendo release is like oh cool i actually really like this game but this one i guess is the first that it's not like i don't hate it but it's not like i love it, it. wasn't a swing and a miss it was just like a softball it was mm. like a lob instead of a home run which is what you're expecting yeah i had really high hopes for it I don't know why I'm running with baseball analogies for a boxing game, but whatever. Was, I wanted it to be a knockout, but... There we go. But instead, it was just a slight... It was like one of those little gloves being slapped in your face to challenge you to the duel instead of the yeah. duel ending with the knockout. Yeah. It was a whiff or with a very strong breeze. So. There we go. That's a better one than my dueling so glove. Definitely, it's definitely a game I really do enjoy playing with other people when it's like not competitive at all. So Mario Kart style. Yeah, I mean, it's, I just have to change my mentality on it. It's just another game to play with. Well, that, that's going to be hard though. to change the mentality of because Nintendo's pushing it as a real fighter and not a Mario Kart oh, I mean, style. Game. I mean, I already did. It's no, fine. no, I mean, like, I know. I just mean in general, like, it's hard to... Nintendo's saying, look, 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 this is a competitive fighter. And you're like, well, it's actually better not as a competitive fighter. So like, oh, no, I think it's better overall. Just for you, me, yeah, I for mean, me, for yeah. Me, yeah. Yeah, so it's just kind of funny that, like, they're going to keep pushing that competitive angle. I mean, I hope they do. I mean, I, I there's nothing that I love more than watching, like, people play any game competitively. Right. So... And ARMS has some good moments. No, Nintendo yeah. UK put up, like, a format video of some British tournament that had ARMS, and it was actually, like, no, pretty intense like, at I, the end of that video. No, yeah, watching people play ARMS, like, it's definitely the kind of... I wish I had the same gratification of watching people play ARMS as I do playing it myself. Right. Kind of like I do, like, I can enjoy watching Smash Bros. as much as I do playing it. Right. And unfortunately, with arms, it's the same thing as Pokémon. It just I like people playing it. But yeah, no, that that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. That's all for the Switch on on Nintendo Direct. So now, um, ninety minutes later, ninety minutes plus later, ninety plus minutes later, uh, there's also the 3DS. Um, yeah, there's actually a surprising number of surprises for the 3DS too. Um, Some not so pleasant. Well, one not so pleasant. Yeah, if you if you thought though that the system was dead, bittersweet, it's not. And if you thought that the system has fully gone into budget system territory, as we always insist here on the show that it does these days, you're correct, it has. And I think perhaps the best example of this is maybe the Bear Suite one you're talking about, which is, I assume the Bear Suite you're getting at was Mario Party? Yep. Yep. So the biggest surprise of the Direct was a new 3DS Mario Party coming no- November 10th. Dad's birthday, they're yeah. celebrating. How nice. Sweet is like, whoa, it's a collection of all the best minions, yeah. like, of what they consider the best minions? That's cool. And then someone compiled, like, a list of all the ones shown, and there's, like, 65 and... They really are a lot of the best ones. Like they picked the, the ball rich. ones back. The one where you run on the balls is back. Bumper balls. Yeah, that's all I needed. Yeah, they picked a lot of really good ones. Like I'm really happy with the selection. And then they later confirmed that I guess there are board games in it, which is really cool. Yeah, so that's what was weird. So in the but direct, it's on the 3ds. Yeah. So in the direct, they announced that this this Mario Party compilation called the Top 100 Mario Party, the Top 100. Which, by the way. Really? You couldn't think of very... I don't know, like Mario Party... Make more sense for me to then just compile all the handheld Mario Party games into... Well, there's not, there's not enough. good enough mini games. I know, That's but... Why. 
no, like what they're doing. It's on the 3DS. Well, okay, so here's what's on 3DS. It makes sense if you look at 3DS as the budget system. It makes total sense. Take the engine from the last Mario Party on 3DS and the one before it, right? Take mini games from the last 10 Mario Parties that they know are popular and that people will like and will buy for nostalgic reasons. Graft them onto the engine that already exists and spit it out, and you got a game that will sell for the holidays. You don't have to develop anything. I know, yeah. It's, it's, and it's, you know the problem is no, I'm it, the sucker who's going to buy it because I really like the concept of the best mini games. Well, good thing it supports um, multi-plan- multiplayer with one cartridge. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the other things they're very smartly doing with it is I think to some extent they realize this is limited in its scope. But here, I want to see this on make a it TV. Download play. Like, I want yeah. to just the Joy-Cons and just play Mario Party. I, like, ideally, it would have been on Switch. Ideally, it would be on Switch, but the concept is so cool by itself. And yeah, they will have boards. Um, so originally they pitched on the Direct as just being like, 100 mini games. 100 mini games. You can kind of mix and match how, like, the order of them. You can shuffle it. You can do different like configurations. And then later they're like, or pick your board game turns. It's like, wait, there's a board game in there somewhere. So I'm suspecting it's gonna be like, either it's gonna be weirdly simple, like the amiibo board game mode in um, the last Mario Party on on Wii U, or it's gonna be like Mario Party One style board game, I mean, which I would love. If it was just Mario Party One with the main games from one through ten, I am 100 percent on board. I mean, unless, even on three. I mean, unless they really go the full distance and they're like, oh, we're not just gonna port this to the Switch. Like next year, we're gonna reveal it's literally every mini game ever, every board game ever, everything. and then the franchise would never be able to get a sequel <laughs> ever again because everyone would have everything. <laughs> Actually, you know what they should do? And then they just added a DLC. Like DLC that's what I was about to say. They should just do Mario Party Complete. And they just slowly iterate, like Mario Kart 8 style, where Mario you Party have all night long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Mario Party, uh, just dead. <laughs> but no, you, um, yeah, that's what they should do. Is do Mario, Mario Kart 8 Party style. hard, 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 harder, and hardest can be the mm. three sequels, but or the two sequels. But no, they they do one. They put a collection of mini games, and then they just do expansion packs. Maybe I can ever green Mario Party instead of having to keep putting them on shelves. And then every so often, they could do a new physical release that includes more of the mini games. Until they hit their 32 gig uh, cartridge size, and then you just have to download them anyway. But no, it that would be the way to do it. So this this is probably a stopgap. That's just to give the 3ds one more big game. But it it's gonna work. I'm gonna buy it. Not gonna lie. Also, Mario's suit on the cover that like that like Vegasy like sparkly blue thing with the top hat, pretty slick. I could see it sitting next to his closet, sitting in his closet next to like the white suit <laughs> from Mario. And that's gonna get its own amiibo. I bet it will. Actually, no, they would have announced it already. Yeah. I guess it won't. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's one of the surprises of um, the 3DS side of the Direct. And yeah, I'm, I'm the sucker buying it. The other surprise is that the Kirby originally billed as multiplayer-oriented Kirby coming holiday 2017 is now Kirby Battle Royale coming January 2018. At least here in the U.S. In Europe, it's actually switching places with Mario Party, and it will be out November in Mario Party next year. But um, I guess it's not really a surprise. We knew they had to announce it. I guess the surprise is what it is. Which is actually kind of a clever idea. It's what a 25th anniversary Kirby game should be in a way. It is a f- arena fighting game where all you're fighting are all the different Kirby abilities. Like each fighter in the game is just a different Kirby ability. So it's Smash Bros, but it's all sorts of Kirbys. Or it's Power Stone, but it's all sorts of Kirbys. And I can't believe I never thought of doing this before. It um, makes so much sense. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's um, it's gonna have online mode. It's gonna have a local mode. You can do up to four players in a fight. It's like a one one v one v one v one situation. There'll be a single player campaign. They're doing um this side mode called Or Express, where you're basically running around trying to collect treasure and fight off people as you collect treasure. Whoever gets the most treasure wins. It's actually like a pretty elaborate. Assuming it's 
balance between the different copy abilities. It's a pretty elaborate game that could potentially have some pull here. Like, it's not going to be an eSport or anything, but it could have some longevity to it, I think. Like, it's a really... It, I love the concept. Yeah, I do too. It and, looks simple. It yeah. Looks, and know, just, like, how did no one think of making Kirby abilities into just fighting game characters? That's literally all fighting games are. They're just skinned differently. So... I mean, I guess like the closest thing, of it. I guess the closest thing was that um, the one that eventually became the mage little RPG one that they it was like one of the mini games that I think Team Kirby, Kirby Triple Deluxe or something. Uh, Team Kirby Clash or something like that. But then I but talked be, about it in like May. Yeah. yeah, but before that, it was just a four-player fighting game. Oh, that's right. Like Smash. Oh, Brothers. that's right. They have done this before. Yeah. Oh, but the different it was literally like Smash Brothers, but you you had items you equipped. You didn't have his natural abilities. I don't think. Or am I wrong? Uh, I want to say like one person was like a hammer. You you, you had to. You had your class. It was, it was curated. Like, yeah, yeah. It was only like four or five or something. So this, yeah, and they were. If it's like the eventual free to play one they put out, they weren't necessarily Kirby abilities. They were more like RPG classes. So you're like the mage and uh, no, yeah. But I was referring yeah. to the one where it's specifically just a multiplayer. Oh, Kirby Brawl. Like, yeah, Brawl. Yeah, I guess. something like that. Yeah. Well, this is a better version of that, I guess. But it's also kind of cool for 20th anniversary. You can go to Kirby, the Kirby website, and vote on your favorite copy ability from any Kirby game, and they will put it in. The winner will get put into the final game. Oh, yeah. So that's kind of neat. And everyone gets, and everyone that votes for it gets a free wallpaper. Woo! <laughs> but but yeah, it's it's a cool concept. It's also part of a new trend with Kirby games. I've noticed. Um, in that both this and the Switch Kirby game coming out, which is now called Kirby Star Allies, and they spent like half a minute on in the direct, and were basically like, hey, remember we told you you can like do co-op with enemy characters? Yep, that's the premise. You can do co-op with enemy characters. Here's the logo. Nintendo <laughs> version all over again. Yeah, basically. But uh, yeah, they're calling... The trend of both of these is they have a very strong multiplayer component. Kirby has always had multiplayer, but like the core of both these games is strictly multiplayer, which is... Or not strictly, but very heavily multiplayer. It's kind of interesting. Like, you know, um, Battle Royale is competitive. Star Allies is co-op. But beyond just that, these two games mark a true innovation in the Kirby series. Someone at Nintendo found the paint bucket icon in Photoshop and realized it can change Kirby's logo from always being pink. Star Allies, it's blue. Battle Royale, it's yellow. Never up to this point, as far as I can recall, has the logo not been pink. So, people send tons out of ideas. I show you Kirby logos and say otherwise. But uh, yeah, I just thought that's kind of funny that like some like literally it went from pink logo, pink logo, pink logo to two new colors in one direct. What a day! So yeah, <laughs> that uh, sounds like you had to take a breather. Yeah, it was it was very that and the um, Mario nipples were just like it was a really got wall up there. But yeah, um, the nice thing about this new Kirby game on 3DS, besides the logo, is that it's also a brand new experience, a brand new game, not a reused engine or something, coming to 3DS, but it's not taking up any Nintendo's resources because it's all HAL Laboratories making it and doing it and everything. So Nintendo can still focus on Switch, AAA, and continue to not give us Mario Party on Switch, and HAL can be over here making Kirby. And that's kind of what we saw with the third-party stuff announced in the Direct 2. Um... For example, Atlas is bringing three, three new RPGs to 3DS in early 2018, all within a couple months of each other. They're giving us a brand new one called uh, The Alliance Alive, They're giving, which is kind of like an old school style RPG. They're giving us the Shimagami Tensei Strange Journey enhanced version called Redux. And they're giving us a three-in-one remake, I think it's three-in-one, of uh, the Radiant Historia series from the DS, all remastered for 3DS, all in one cartridge. And again... All three of these are in just early 2018, which probably means by March. That's a lot. They're, like, carrying the 3DS past Kirby's January release. It's kind of nice uh, of them to do so. But, yeah, besides that, 
There's also more immediate examples, such as the surprise release of Minecraft, new Nintendo 3DS edition, which was both announced and released simultaneously in the Direct. And that one came out Physical release coming later. Huh? Physical yeah, physical release coming later. And you know why it's coming later? Because the one they put out isn't actually the full game yet. It doesn't have local multiplayer yet. They're adding that in. And doesn't have stereoscopic 3D yet, which they will also be adding you in. Know, that surprised me. 3D in Minecraft? I didn't think they'd do it. Why bother? Half the That's pretty cool. Half the new 3DSs don't support it. And yet, they're doing it. I got. I kind of want to try it just for that. I mean, like, what I'm wondering is why... I mean, Summer's almost over and we still don't have cross-platform play. Better Together is coming soon, according to the Minecraft blog. That's all I've got. But how soon is soon? Well, just don't don't buy this one. Don't buy the 3DS well, one, because I mean, it's honestly. never getting it. Ever. It's a standalone version. It's based on yeah. the old Pocket Edition. However, it's, it's World, not like 3D. It's World. You can build a bigger world than in the Wii U version on the 3DS version. Wow. Yeah, it will the be... The new 3DS one, right? Yes, new 3DS. It's a new 3DS, new 3DS, 3DS, 3DS only. only. Yeah. Yeah, but it's going to be 1016 by... Or, sorry, 2016 by 2016, 128 blocks high is the world space you're working with. Oh. So it's literally bigger than the Wii U, which is really funny if you think about it. But, yeah, it... Uh, well, the thing about the size is that um, it has nothing to do with power. It's just about um, memory consumption. Yeah, so, and you would think the Wii U would be able to. No, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's just the regulations that, I guess, are put on by the consoles. So I guess mm-hmm. Nintendo didn't allow them to put bigger on the Wii U for some reason. Well, it's kind of nice that... Because in theory, they could be forever, but, I mean, PC, they don't care. So, it's yeah. like, oh, everyone has their own hard drive, so literally let it be infinite. This is probably the first game to truly use all of the extra memory and whatnot in the new 3ds probably one they just yeah. letting it go all out but it's kind of cool that they're doing it um it's gonna come with five texture packs no word on future updates they say they'll roll they'll continue updating it as they do pocket edition like they'll catch it back up to pocket edition but pocket edition is going away in favor of bear together so right yeah so i don't i guess they're catching up up to where pocket edition well, yeah, is now, now. Yeah, there's know. gonna be minecraft java edition and the console yeah. one is just going to be minecraft it's going to be minecraft and then you got this random new 3ds edition which they keep stressing is a standalone version so it's really cool that exists like i'm not dissing it it's it makes sense on 3ds it's got to do super well on a you know 79 dollar machine you get a mario game for 79 bucks in a bundle and you ask your parents can i download minecraft yeah it's gonna do really well there's no doubt in my mind but it's but just you already kind have of it funny. on literally every screen you and play be like, yeah but now i need the one that doesn't connect to all the others this one's 3d <laughs> this one's 3d i actually really do want to see that 3d i'm really curious how it looks but in other words, I'm asking you to buy it. No. Okay. Maybe. I have it for Switch. I'm trying to yeah, convince I, you to I, get the Switch. I know, one. which is why I don't want to buy it for 3DS. But but anyway, uh, Minecraft is just another example of how other companies are now sort of carrying the, the 3DS for Nintendo. But like any good system that needs to continually be active in a marketplace without continually getting top-tier first-party games, we're also seeing more hardware options pop up. Uh, on October 6th, in tandem with Mario Luigi Superstar Saga's remake and Bowser's Minions, um we'll be seeing the release of the orange and white 3ds xl but that's nothing compared to what's coming on november 3rd when a special pokeball 2ds xl will launch and i don't think i would personally ever buy this in a million years but man is that thing cool looking like it has a little 3d effect on the pokeball button in the middle it actually pops out like yeah. it looks really cool they're really going a lot with these i guess it should have been a sign of things to come when the slime bundle had the slime like yeah, I think the slime bundle... And it's the same thing with the Pikachu model. Yeah, in Japan. So in Japan, they're getting a Pikachu one that we're not getting, which we should be getting, because that Pikachu one's arguably even cooler than the Pokeball. Like, the Pikachu one, his face pops out slightly, like his mouth and nose. And when you it's open it, 3D, all the buttons... even though the console itself is the 2 It's very misleading. But yeah, and the, <laughs> and the buttons the buttons inside are all Pikachu color, like the brown accent on his tail. Like, it's such a perfect system. But yeah, they seem to have discovered with Dragon Quest, 
oh hey, we can put depth on our 3DS, 2DS designs. We can literally, like, it doesn't make a difference. We can pop things up. So yeah, the slime did it, the Pokeball does it, Pikachu does it. All to get people to keep buying 2DSs, you know? And I bet it's going to work. Like, I... I Ah, oh, the Pikachu one's so good. Even the box is just his face. It has no actual 2DS branding on the front. It's just a box of his face. It's, yeah, it's great. It's actually weird. So that, that 2DS of Pikachu didn't show up in our Direct, because it's not coming here, but also some games didn't show up in our Direct for 3DS. Like, I mean, Fantasy Star we know was only in the Japanese one because it's like kind of Japan, but, like, why didn't Nintendo show off the new Style Savvy or the sequel to Dylan's Rolling Western? I mean, Dylan, I guess... Right? Huh? How do you spell Dylan? D-I-L-L-O-N in this case. L-O-O-N? Yeah. Oh, because you wrote Dillion. Oh, so it's a typo oh, okay. Good. on the timesheet. Thank you. I'll fix it before we go live. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, what was I going to say? Like, Style Savvy, I guess, makes sense. I don't think maybe it's his cousin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a spinoff starring Dillion, the lovable sidekick <laughs> of Dillion. Who doesn't really have much attitude identity. in this one. It, it, yeah, this one's, this one's like Biker Dillion. Like, the new Dylan's Rolling Western, which is called, I think, oh, what is it called? Like, Heat Breaker or something yeah. like that, is, um, like, there's semi-trucks and, like, leather, and it's the same game, ultimately. <laughs> but presumably, they fixed the you-can't-play-it-left-hand if you're left-handed issue. But besides that, it's basically the same game, and it's not coming to America, I guess, or at least not yet. It was just gone. And Style Savvy, well, that one didn't lie up the charts on 3DS, Style Savvy 3, so I don't blame them for not playing Style Savvy 4 in the Nintendo Direct. But... Probably. I mean, if the game didn't do well, it didn't do well. But it's just odd to leave out so much stuff. Like, Dylan, there's no reason he can't come out. I don't know. That or Dillion, for that is... matter. You know, like, if they don't want to give us Dylan, give us Dillion. It's fine. <laughs> but, but whatever, we didn't get. Oh, I guess I could fix that. So, well, that won't matter because that's not the blog post. That's just a list I gave you. Yeah. Inner workings of Ren Nintendo right here, everyone. I give him a list, and he writes the times on it, and I copy those times onto a separate list on the blog post that's already written. You would think we just give him the blog post directly, but that would make too much sense. So, why yeah. do that? Oh, it was we could just you could just log into Nintendo it because and we do it. Couldn't on... get me to log in because there was some sort of internet. No, issue? no. Oh, there was. You used to have a router problem, and this was local. But now that you're connected to a cloud-based note that we share, man, this is getting real in the weeds about the inner workings around Nintendo. Also, in case anyone's wondering, um, <laughs> like we're running it in GarageBand right now. Uh, we have a laptop and an iPad, and he has a keyboard on his lap. Yeah, are you using an iMac? 27 inch uh, uh yeah i think so 20 and i'm on my macbook pro with touch bar i believe i got it on 2018 <laughs> <laughs> using two and, snowball mics and nope. yeah we're both on nope. snowball mics mine is elevated on actually a nintendo switch box in order to ensure that you can hear my voice clearly and his is just on a table like a normal person and that is how we do our show but before we wrap up the show oh, don't we, forget the snack table oh yeah i'm on a snack table yeah we don't have a real table for me so it's a switch box on a snack table that's holding yeah my laptop sometimes we have an mic. actual table sometimes we don't it's and been... if you're wondering we're both seated at this time we're not standing we're not on we're not standing desk we're not lying down that'd be weird we're just sitting like normal people there's still a party going on next door but they're surprisingly quiet yeah we definitely put the random and random nintendo today yeah we we succeeded and before we wrap up the randomness around nintendo actually no this isn't random this is right on topic how about the super <laughs> nintendo classic um yeah like there's that's it for the direct but before the direct nintendo put out this, some good news about super nintendo oh and the party got louder but put out some good news about super nintendo classic or well potentially good news and that is that apparently the pre-order situation was insane enough that prompted nintendo to have this press release where they are saying they're upping production of the super nintendo classic it will go into 2018 now it will not end at the end of the year and more importantly there will be more super nintendo classics classics on store shelves on launch day 
than there were ever NES classics for the entire holiday period of last year. What does that actually mean? It's hard to say. It means that you may actually see it means one you in may store have a in someone's hand as they're buying it. Exactly. <laughs> now, some numbers have leaked. Apparently, Toys R Us stores will each receive about 48. And apparently, Target stores, depending on their size, will receive anywhere from 30 to 90 on launch day. Those certainly sound better to me than 10 units per GameStop when they were doing pre-orders a couple weeks ago. But still, those lines can be hundreds of people long. Who knows? Reggie on went on record that you should never pay... Uh, overpriced price for it on like ebay or anything but there's never a situation where executives gonna be like oh yeah they're scalping it you should totally do it so i don't know if i take his reassurances or any reassurance which is just standard pr move but either way potentially there's hope and in tandem with that announcement they also announced the return of the original nes classic next summer um i told you they were disney vaulting it i told all of you they said the lot when it uh when it got shut down the japanese announcement was it's we're ending production for now and i'm like disney vault this is totally a thing they're just gonna casually throw out there when they feel like it get some hype take it away again rinse and repeat it's gonna be like a tide an ocean tide of just nes's and sure enough it's coming back next summer we don't know the quantities we don't know the length of the availability period but with how they're handling the super nintendo perhaps they learned their lesson perhaps there will actually be enough it's certainly perhaps nice. there'll be too many and they'll be able to get concern. rid of them that is my concern it's going to be like the the sega genesis and the atari and the coleco well, vision and all those but the difference with those is those companies are like oh yeah we want to keep them on shelves nintendo has this weird philosophy where if it's on a shelf for too long they clearly made a financial mistake and they need to be more conservative and reel it back and my concern to your point is that if the Super Nintendo comes out and people get their fill, so to speak, and then the Nintendo comes out after that. And at that point, everyone's like, I just bought a Super Nintendo. Why do I need to buy a second mini console? They're going to then have all these extra NESs on the shelf. And then when the N64 Classic happens, whenever it happens, they're going to underproduce it again because they thought they learned their lesson from the Nintendo original. And then we're back in the seat we're in or the situation we're in now, and it's just rinse and repeat. Every two years, things become impossible to find, then easy to find, then impossible to find, then yeah. So, I mean, the it we'll see. That's kind of a doomsday devil's advocate scenario. I don't actually think that'll happen because, like, basically, the only scenario I can see where that really happens is part of the reason the Super Nintendo is so popular now may simply be because people never got the original NES. So, like, you know what? No, damn it! I'm getting my mini Nintendo system. I don't care what it is. I'm just getting it. It's a Super Nintendo this year. Fine, I'm getting it. So they buy it, and then next summer they release all the NESs, and everyone's like, "Well, I got mine. It's a Super Nintendo, but like, I got my baby Nintendo. I'm good. I got." the thing that everyone said was the cool thing to get so i can see it especially being a, par- a problem for parents like if little timmy her favorite hypothetical fictional child um you know convinces his parents to get a super nintendo now because he couldn't get nas last year they game one for the holidays six months later he's like okay now can i get the original nintendo the mini nintendo and like, we just got you a mini nintendo why you need a second mini nintendo so it's possible this could happen, but realistically, I'm guessing they're going to be smart enough to scale back the NES at least somewhat, or they'll hopefully get a pulse of the market. I mean, eventually they figured out Amiibo, right? Eventually. Yeah, like, like I don't think we're when uh, the champions... Overall. I mean, oh, yeah, overall. There were so certain Amiibo that some people could never get. Yeah, but those were the older ones, usually. Like, the newer ones are pretty... Like, oh, Metroid, yeah. you can get pretty easily. Even if even with the... Uh, there's going to be a rare set, because the two Metroid Amiibo I got, the two-pack, the back of the box calls the game the wrong name. Oh, it's yeah. not Metroid Sans Returns. It's, no, no, no. That's different. On the back, they screwed up. Oh, both. that's right. They used the old name of the game. Yeah, they Boy called game. it Return yeah. of Sans instead of Sans Returns, which, you know, that's nitpicking on one level, but that's the wrong name. They're going to correct it. Mine are going to be super rare. But, um, yeah, I feel like when the champions come out in November, like the Zelda champion amiibos, those probably aren't going to be super hard to get. 
the Koopa Troopa and Goomba coming out. It'll probably be pretty easy to get. Those come out with Mario and Luigi uh, Superstar Sagas remake. Possibly the Mario Wedding ones will be difficult for Mario Odyssey just because they're so unique. But I suspect in due time those will be readily available. So I think... No, no. I mean, I, I think that they're all still available for pre-order. Are they? Here in the States? Yeah. Oh. Interesting. I didn't know that. So then there we go. Maybe maybe if they can, if Nintendo's able to get through the Amiibo crush, perhaps the NES Super Nintendo situation will sort itself out as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Which pretty much does it for news, but of course we've been playing things too. Or more specifically, I've been playing Mario Rabbids, and I promised impressions last episode. So. Yeah, and I played the multiplayer with Yes, you, you did. We did co-op, and it was actually really fun. Um, yeah, we're teaching you how to play some of the stuff. Which is funny because I'm the one that owns the game, but yet you somehow knew more because you were watching Let's Play videos, right? Not Let's like Play, no, just, or, like, just... just just demos of the game before it came out, like when they were actually like talking about the game. And, well, I like, mean, I've and, and they had demo demonstrations like, oh, this is how the oh, combat like the, works. like the when Ubisoft goes on IGN or one of those shows and sits down for like 40 minutes and walks through it. Not like for E3. Wait, but I played the E3 demo. Nothing you told me was in the E3 demo. No, yeah, the whole jumping mechanic. You seemed so confused about no, it. No, no, no. That what I was saying is how I experienced that E3. Whatever, no one knows what we're talking about. I'm just gonna move on. But no, you're talking about something that came later in the game because Yoshi was not. You said Yoshi, and he was not in the demo at all. So I don't know. I'm just talking about how doesn't matter. Doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Point is, I'll, I'll tell you later. Point. Okay. The point is, um, much like this conversation of confusion, this game <laughs> had quite the roller coaster of public perception. Um, I mean, when the game first got rumored people were kind of just scratching their heads then the first art leaked and everyone was kind of concerned because it's just rabbit peach and it looked kind of weird and then the first demos hit at e3 and which i played correctly as far as i know the rep didn't tell me otherwise and that's <laughs> experience is when it kind of started to feel like something special and after playing it for the past few weeks with you without you correctly incorrectly i'm happy to confirm that yes marion rabbit's kingdom bow is something special like for as strange as a marion rabbit mashup may sound the developers actually pull it off, and they did it in a game that feels very comfortable with what it is, and somehow also can properly identify as like a Mario game, which is quite a feat because that's usually Nintendo's specialty. And the like comfort level of the game, so to speak, of its own skin, uh, that becomes really apparent as soon as you boot it up. Like the f- opening cinematic gives you a reason for the mashup. Basically, it amounts to a Mario fangirl who's also a scientist building a super merge which is this device that can combine objects and in theory will help save the environment in some sci-fi reasoning that makes zero sense. And then the rabbits stumble across it, get sucked into the Mushroom Kingdom with it, and then here we are. You got the rabbits and Mario in the same place. And uh, the merger of Mario and rabbits, so to speak, is kind of lopsided in favor of Mario. I mean, it's the rabbits in Mario's world. Uh, the rabbits' more crude humor is certainly there, but it's a bit subdued compared to older games in uh you know in the rabbit franchise where like it's just it's just crazy like this one's a little scale back there's still dumb gags there's still giant toilets there's still like the minion-esque humor but it's definitely not absurd levels and it doesn't feel too out of place since you're already in kind of a weird warped mushroom kingdom anyway and mario basically is playing the straight man the whole game so every time something weird happens it kind of does like almost like a jim helper to the camera in the office look i mean not always but he there's definitely like him reacting to stuff so uh, but beyond just the aesthetic of the game, I think the lopsidedness towards Mario actually is true in the gameplay, too. Like, the Mario vibe permeates throughout all the gameplay in a pretty subtle but noticeable way. Or subtle but present way, I should say. Like, here's the, here's the thing about Mario games. What Mario games do really well, on, like, a general level, is they take a very streamlined experience, or they streamline an experience, and then they offer it 
with some depth that's kind of buried under the surface. So, like, look at Mario Golf, right? When Mario Golf came out, everyone's like, oh, look at the, the swing mechanics. All about the swing mechanic. It's really simple. Anyone can get it. It's like, you know, one, two, and you hit the ball. But then there's a lot of depth in the Mario games beyond just that swing mechanic. There's all sorts of stuff that goes a little deeper, the right clubs, the right this, the right that. So anyone can pick up and play it. Anyone can enjoy it. But if you really want to dig deep into it, there is something there for you. And I feel like Mario and Rabbids, to me, for strategy games, is kind of doing that same thing. It's taking the Mario idea of, like, really accessible and then putting a lot of stuff right under the surface that makes it a really meaty, good experience overall. Like, there's nothing absolutely truly new or necessarily innovative in the game approach in how the game approaches strategy games specifically turn-based strategy i mean there's a reason everyone keeps saying it's basically XCOM, but what it does do is streamline the experience of the strategy genre just enough to make it a little more welcoming for people yet still offering enough depth to keep you really kind of on it and preventing it from being too basic if that makes sense like for example when it's your turn in a battle regardless of when you jump because <laughs> uh, that's yeah you're i know as soon as we turn off this corner you're like jason let's talk about this regardless of when you jump when you're in a battle there's a lot you can do in one fell swoop you can jump you can also slide to an opponent you can also jump off well jumping is jumping off your partner character you can also shoot your gun you can also to um hit an enemy or you can if you do the slide mechanic that lets you do an extra hit i just doesn't explain what these are or if you do the jump that's you run up to a partner and then it basically extends your range any which way around that character so you can go further and if you combine that with, say, the uh, warp pipe system, there's a lot of maneuverability you have very early in the game in in a single move. And compare that to, say, other strategy games where you have to do everything piecemeal and yeah, it's a lot slower much, pace. Yeah, it's like you barely move in. Uh, specifically Fire Emblem, like, this game is... The antithesis, I'm, almost. No, yeah, like, I mean, it's very comparable to Fire Emblem. You, you select a character, you see the range in which you can move them in, and you move them there or attack, and that's pretty mm-hmm. much it. I mean, it's just how you accomplish all that. It's very, very much more dynamic and just... It's more action really yeah. It's fun to look at. I mean, it's just very cartoony. It's very... Yeah, and they Very do, well animated. And they also do a good job where... Um, very it's eccentric. very simple if you're going to succeed or not on your turn. Like, you very clearly see you have a 0% chance of shooting that opponent, 50% chance, 100% chance based on the cover system and how what they're hiding behind. In a lot of other strategy games, it gets overly complicated. You have all these stasses stacked on top of each other. Are they sleeping while also poisoned while also, like, lying down in a in a ditch that's gonna be a 62.6 percent chance it's like i i mean i'll be who's it. sitting there and calculating all that i mean i'll be like sometimes like maybe you want that in a game and that does yeah. sound actually kind of cool but it's having like a bunch of factors but no i mean they're there to some extent but no, it's yeah, just yeah. it's just it tells you up front like okay just so you know you have a 50 percent chance or you have a 100 percent chance like do you necessarily need 73 percent versus 68 percent versus i don't know it just, to me, seems like that's kind of the streamlining that the Mario element gives it. But but there is still depth, don't get me wrong. Like, you're still picking your preferred party of three, which is basically traditional character classes replaced with individual rabbits and Mario characters. Like, each one has their own set of weapons, each one has their own uh, special abilities. Like, you can shield Emmy's attacks if you're one of the rabbits, or if you're Mario Luigi, you can do kind of a stare down. A hero stare, I think they call it, where basically you could shoot out a turn, or Yoshi can do this like ground pound crazy bomb thing when he jumps, and like there's all these different things. And um, you can form obviously your own custom strategy and custom team off that, much like you can do with a class in Fire Emblem or or anything else. It's just the difference is there's only six characters instead of six, eight classes represented by a bunch of different characters. Um, and then the battle themselves, battles themselves also are kind of clever in that they use the constraints of the system and the advantage of the system to their advantage very early in the game i mean ultimately all you're doing is either killing every enemy 
or scurrying to the end of the stage, like get to a finish line and, you know, just get through alive. But they get really elaborate once you add in the verticality elements. You really need to start using those partner jumps. They get really elaborate when you do the warp pipe, like I was saying before. Like you can at one point, between warp pipes and character jump and like jumping off your partners and everything, you can basically get across like three quarters of a map in one turn. That's kind of the dynamic actioniness that we were talking about before. So there, there's a lot here, but much like a, Mar- a traditional Mario game, it's very streamlined on, on the surface, but then there's that added depth of all this other stuff you can do kind of bubbling up underneath it. And I know I'm talking kind of relatively broad brushstrokes here, but I think it's worth highlighting how at a high level Ubisoft was able to essentially pull a Nintendo on this game and literally make a game that's both really accessible and surprisingly deep all in one. It is truly a Mario title in that regard, which is, which I know they had Nintendo's guidance, but still, the fact that another team outside Nintendo was able to pull that off is pretty Yeah, it literally impressive. feels like it came out from Nintendo. Right? Like, it's really impressive. And the game also is just really well suited for Switch. Like, the battles themselves are relatively bite-sized, so, you know, if you're... I mean, each battle can get pretty lengthy, but they're very compartmentalized. So as soon as you're not the battle, if, you need a, if you're on a bus and you need to stop, you just stop. It Like, it, you're not, like, kind of lost in where you were. It's very just like, here's this battle, cool, now here's the next battle. Here's the battle after that. Like, mm-hmm. it's... I, all games sort of do it, but some of them kind of intertwine yeah, stuff a little more. Something that could definitely be said for Resident Evil Revelations 1, getting a little off-topic, but also... That it does or doesn't compartmentalize well. No, no, no that it does. Like oh, yeah, yeah, because it's made yeah, for portables. Yeah. yeah, because it was made for, yeah, it's mission-based. I thought you were saying otherwise, and I was about to be like, what are you talking about? Oh, no, no, about? no, it's something, that, <laughs> something that could also be said Yeah, for... yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And then and then, and, in uh, Rabbids, all the battles, as you know from watching people play and playing me, well, actually, co-op doesn't do this, but as you know from watching people, all the battles are linked together with these little exploratory segments, which are, they're not particularly difficult. But they like, offer oh, some kind of nice, flags, oh, no, yeah, or like collect the red eight coins or whatever. But they also some they offer some nice world building of like kind of this demented mushroom kingdom. You know, you see things as you go around, and there's little nods tomorrow, like the red coin challenge or the flags, or or even these hidden rooms and like kind of a vector art style that are basically the Mario Rabbit throwback to Mario Sunshine or Mario 3D Land's puzzle rooms. Like, there's lots of little nods here and there. And then you've also got the co-op mode, which we played together, which is an entirely separate set of special maps designed specifically for two people, each with two people on their team. So, you know, uh, or two characters on our team, so four characters in total versus three. And I, I like, actually, that they kept it separate from the main story. Like, if they did drop-in, drop-out co-op, drop-in, drop-out uh, co-op, I thought I said that wrong, then I realized I said it right. But if they did that, that I don't know, that just seems like it went... It wouldn't work because you'd have to redesign the battles around it. So it's very savvy of Ubisoft to not just shoehorn it in and actually make it a separate thing. Especially in light of the Switch being this device that, you know, you just have a Joy-Con you pop off and give to a friend. So I, th- I thought that was cool. Um, and there's also just, like, really good attention to detail throughout the entire game, which I feel really helps make it clear just how much of, like, a passion project this was. Like, you see it all over the game. Like, the, um, the, oh yeah, the overworld. That's what I was going to I was going to start with the overworld because I was thinking, like, three steps ahead. I was like, what was I going to say? The overworld has this cool effect where as you progress through the game, they keep piling in some of the sites you see. And it's not just like, oh, you know, this is a way of marking progress because that's one thing. But, like, they're somewhat interactive. So there's one that always sticks in my mind of, like, a bullet bill stuck in underwear. There's that rabbit's humor for you. But, like, they could just plop that in, call it a day. But they actually went through a little extra detail of his eye tracking you as you walk around. So you actually, like, as you're navigating, he keeps sort of creepily staring at you, quietly calling out for help because he's stuck. Like, that, that's a minor thing, but it's kind of neat. Or, like, in battle, if you're next to a teammate and they fire their gun, your, what, the character that's next to them will duck and cover and cover their ears because there's a gun going off right next to them. Like, these are things that if this was a quick cash and they wouldn't do, but because it's not, you know, since it's actually a passion project, this is how it comes across. Or even, like, there's no sharp edges in this entire game. 
everything slightly rounded off because that's the Mario's deck. It's like nice little round corners. Like the, you know, the hills in Mario 64 are all round. Everything's round. So everything's round. And like, this one's a little weirder. But I always enjoy when video games, as you approach a bird on the ground, the bird flies away. Now Splatoon does this as well. So this is an exclusive Mario Rise, but I have a weird fascination with the fact that someone sat there and programmed a bird that's just casually there, and as you walk towards it, the bird's like, I gotta go, I'm scared, and just leaves. Like, well, you don't need to do that in a game that's just a quick caching. You do it because it's a game you care about, and you want to build the world and everything. So, like, even things like the Mad Max-style outfits for the enemy Ravage are pretty great. Or, um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any others, but, I mean, I guess the weapons, they're all puns and video game references. They have a Sam Fisher duck. They have, um, I think it's called the Splatformer, where it's a gun that looks like 1-1 of Mario, like the Mario level. Like, it's the, the map of the level on the side of the gun. Wow. And they have one that's called Royal Pain, and it's just, pre- it's like the, the barrel of Princess Peach's uh, crown. So, yeah, they they um, they put a lot of effort to it, into this. And that's not even counting the music, which is Grant Kirkhope, the guy who did a bunch of rare music. I was apparently very intimidated about this project. Yeah, because Mario's a big deal. Like, if you're a game composer and you're being told you're working on, like, Mario, like Koji Kondo's Magnus Opus, besides Zelda, maybe. Like, that's that's a big deal. So And he, and he did a really good job. Like, it so seamlessly intertwines Mario music with, like, original stuff. It's mostly orchestrated, or at least, like, half. It's it's really good. Like, I can keep gushing and gushing forever and ever and about Martin Rabbids, but I'll, I'll boil it down to this. It's not the weird caching everyone thought it would be. It's a passion project through and through. It's clearly made by Mario fans for not just, you know, gamers, but for Mario fans. Like, there's a lot of little winks and nods. And they know what makes a Mario experience tick. They merged that with the strategy game really well. They maybe threw in Rabbids just because, you know, they needed to make it something of their own or something that Ubisoft would approve. But nonetheless, it works. It's incredibly fun. It's really good. I highly recommend if you own a Switch that you need to check it out. Like, it's... If you don't like strategy games, this is not... It is ultimately a strategy game, but there's enough Mario-style smoothing out, so to speak, and streamlining that it. I think you'd still enjoy it. So, I mean, what... You played a bit. What do you think of it? Um... I mean, very little bit, like half an hour's worth, but... I don't know. I mean, what I played was fun. Um, probably not a game I would get just yet. As it's like, there's just too many things on the plate right now. It's but, true, there are a lot of things. Yeah, especially since I'm like kind of... I've decided like I really want to go back and just completely beat every game that I've left unfinished. Which, there aren't too many. There's like maybe 10 or 12, but it's across like Wii, PS3, 3DS. Right. So... A link, like a game like this, I would want to like really beat every single level, especially those challenge missions. Challenge missions, like the ones we played, are the ones that always I always love to go in and one hundred percent, like right. perfect them out. So they're nice little really capsules, cool. kind of. Yeah, and and like you kept saying, like I just like how the controls, everything is pretty easy to learn, and that simplicity definitely helps them like bump up the challenge like really fast. Yeah, that's the great. thing. Is like, don't get me wrong, later in the game it gets hard, but it's not hard. Like it's just they throw too many Emmys at you or something like that, or like there's just too much going on. It's, it's hard, through. like, they took, much like a Mario game, they took what simple mechanics they taught you and really built on top of it in interesting ways. Yeah, and because of the nature of its genre, you really have to think about your moves. Oh, yeah, yeah. You have to yeah, some of the battles are not the short. Spacing, like, every, take into account how the enemies move and like, what triggers their movement and stuff like that. Yeah, it's 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 good. I, I mean, like... It's definitely yeah, a game that I feel like 
I'm hoping it's doing good. It sounds like it's doing good, but... We will know when September MPD hits. But it definitely feels like the kind of game that will be under-recognized just because a lot of... I feel like some people may not get it just because... Yeah. Like, whether it's because the rabbits are involved or because it's like a Mario RPG, even though Mario RPGs... Well, I guess they still kind of get that thing that they're not as hard or stuff like that. But, I mean, hopefully it can overcome all those adversities. Um, yeah, no, I think, I mean, it's been number one on the eShop chart for a while. I think they hit the right chord, and yeah. I think that's awesome for developers, because, like, especially the head guy, David, uh, I forget his last name, but he, like, this is his baby. Like, this is his thing from start to finish. He's the guy that cried at E3. Like, that guy. He, it's, it must be so gratifying to see people embrace the game so much, especially after um, there's so much, like, as I was saying at the top of my impressions, how, like, when people first heard about it, they're like, what? Then they saw the screenshots, and they're like, no. And then they played it, and they're like, Yes. So I bet that yes that we're now at, he must be thrilled. Like, I can't imagine the stress he's going through before that yes, before people understood it. But yeah, it's it's really cool. It's, yeah. it's, it's the first, outside of, it's not the first, but besides Zelda, it's one of the few truly new original things on Switch that are like, high. that's a high profile release. And it's definitely worth at least looking into. Yeah. I mean, right now, you could almost say it was a happy ending for him. Yes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. He's like living the dream as a game developer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of endings, I think that pretty much does it for this episode yep. of the Rantab Podcast. Um, our next episode coming up on October first. Man, can you believe it's already almost October? Where'd the year go? But in um, October's episode on the first, we will be um, sharing impressions of Metroid: Samus Returns, typos and all. Or sorry, I should say Metroid Trioid, Trioid, Metroid: Samus Returns. Uh, plus impressions of a Switch and indie game we've been playing a bit called Light Spear. Double Spear Edition. We mentioned it last episode. We'll have our full thoughts on it next episode. It's pretty, it's pretty fun, but we're just not far enough yet to really dive in. But yeah, plus of course all the latest news and everything. So to make sure you don't know it, anyone else is by now should know the drill. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play Music, on Podcast Act, on literally anything you name. We are there. Almost anything. I don't think we're on Spotify. We're trying to change that. But anyway, yeah, so go follow us, subscribe to us on there. Um, you can follow us individually on Twitter if you want to know our thoughts on games and other things. I'm at JSR7. Angel is at Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. And yeah, that pretty much does it. So we'll be back in two weeks' time. Yes. Yes. Um, Mario Nipples. Oh, I thought you were going to add more to that. Nope, just Mario Nipples. Oh.